Hi, my name is Camille Mitchell. I've been Sheriff Adams on Smallville. I've got two Hallmark movies coming up soon. And you are listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Welcome to Deal Before Pod, the podcast that isn't delayed until November. I'm your host, Craig, and we're here to discuss the usual news, trailers, etc., etc., from the previous month. So we're talking about February 2023, because that was, or the current month at the time of recording. Joining me for this is someone who, I don't know if he's delayed until November. Isaac, are you delayed until November? Hello. I guess it depends on how long it takes me to send you the recording. It might be. Well, hopefully it sends a bit faster. Yeah, and it depends if you need some extra CGI work done. Sometimes that needs doing. I think everything's okay. Anyway, February 2023 was a month, or still is a month. It's nearly over. Yeah, nearly there. Almost into spring. It soon be time to put the clocks forward and all that jazz. But before we do all that, let's talk about what we've been watching. So what have you been watching? At the moment, I'm watching through... Luther series four and five to catch up or refresh my memory before Fallen Sun releases. From what I can gather, the story of Fallen Sun is more connected to the end of series five, and four and five are kind of like one big series. So, for people who want to catch up before that movie comes out, I know it sounds quite a lot saying two series, but series four is two episodes and series five is four episodes. So, it's not an intense amount, but just to refresh my memory before that movie comes out because I'm very excited for that. Yeah, it's a BBC show, it's very short run. Yeah, it's just small. It's always been very short series on it. But yeah, that's about what I'm watching really at the moment. Nothing else. Fair enough. So there's stuff I should be catching up with, but I'll get around to it later. Well, I've been watching all sorts of things. So let's start with some TV. I've been watching The Last of Us and I'm really enjoying it. I think it's a really good adaptation of the video game. Sometimes how faithful it is throws me a little bit because I watch it and I sit there and think, feel like I'm just watching a cutscene from the video game sometimes. It's really good. And when it strays away from what the game is doing, it tends to be even better, but when it's just aping the game, sometimes I feel a bit of deja vu, and I acknowledge that's something I bring in with me because I've played the game so many times and love the game. And I don't know if other people that have played the game are experiencing the same thing, but it's an interesting phenomenon to have a good video game adaptation that is, in theory, too faithful. <laughs> it's good, though. Very good show. Pedro Pascal is great in it. Bella Ramsey's great in it. In fact, the whole cast are great in it. The writing's really sharp. It looks amazing. So... If you're not watching it, definitely watch it. Okay, I needed to catch up. Played the second one again because I was quite excited to watch it. I need a bit of time to not be in that world. It's a bit too dreary and awful for a bit, so I'll have to leave it a bit and then come back later. So I think once it's all done, when all the episodes are out, I'll probably watch it as a full series when it's available. You'll do your own speed run. Yeah, I'll speed run it. That's a gaming term for anybody that doesn't know. I'll watch it on nine different TVs at the same time. <laughs> the Flash, that's back for its final season, and it's on par with what it usually is. It's not very good. And it's one of those bizarre final seasons in that every episode so far seems to just be really wasting time. You've only got 13 of these and you've got to wrap up the whole show. In fact, not just the whole show, the whole universe, because there probably won't be any more Arrowverse after this. And they're just milling about doing what they would normally do at the beginning of any season. It just feels like 
they should be ramping up a little bit more, but it's just the same old crap. So there you go, the Flash. Me and Andrew will finally get this out of our systems. We will finish it. Do a big old look back. Yeah, we'll put it in the ground. It'll be finished just in time for Ezra Miller's film to come out, maybe, which we have talked about slash we'll talk about later. Yeah. Star Trek Picard is back, and I have seen six episodes because I am lucky enough to have screeners. I'm not loving it, to be honest. It's better than season two, but I think having my eye gouged out by a corkscrew would be better than season two, because that was just so bad. But season three is laden with nostalgia in frustrating ways. And we'll talk about nostalgia maybe later as well, but it is horrifically full of nostalgia and it's not really good nostalgia. And the thing about modern Star Trek is so much of it seems to be assuming that I as a viewer like Star Trek because it has things that remind me of Star Trek in it. And I want more than that. I want more than just seeing the old characters together again. I want them to be doing something meaningful. And so far in season three, I don't feel like what they're doing is especially meaningful. But according to the internet, I'm pretty much wrong on this. I think a lot of people are really engaging with the nostalgia-ness of it all. Just not me. So how many episodes is there in the series? Ten. Okay, so you're over halfway there. Yeah. So the chances of it pulling out of the bag in four episodes is... Not high. That's a shame. Yeah, it really is. Still watching The Winchesters as we record. It's two episodes left of the first season. And I keep saying this every single month, but it's fine. It's an entertaining enough show that I enjoy watching and I write about it. And it's connected to Supernatural, which is a show that I love. It's fine. It's not spectacular. It's never great, but it does what it wants to do reasonably well. It exists. Yeah. And maybe not for much longer. I don't know. There's been no news on season two, if it's getting one. Last month I said that I'd started watching Wednesday on Netflix, and I'm still watching it about halfway through the season. I'm still really enjoying it. I think it's really good, but I don't feel compelled to just rush into it. I loved Wednesday. It was great. It came out in one big bulk, but I don't think we read through it. We just sort of enjoyed our way through it, but... Yeah, that's something where I'm looking forward to the next series. There definitely is one, isn't there? Yeah, I think probably around this time next year, I'd imagine. Sort of a bit of a wait, but I'm happy to And wait. then by then, might not be able to get into Netflix anymore if they crack down on account sharing. Oh, yeah. The other thing I've been watching is also on Netflix, Sonic Prime. I've not finished it yet either, but I'm enjoying it. It's a decent enough little Sonic story. So if you like animated Sonic stuff, then it might be in your wheelhouse. Uh, I've never really watched much Sonic stuff. Never a world I got into, but there's always a lot of people who enjoy that sort of stuff. Movies. I went to see Titanic for its re-release in the cinema and really liked it. I really like Titanic. I think it's James Cameron's best film, probably. Slightly behind Terminator 2. I love Terminator 2, but Titanic's really good and it's really good seeing it on the big screen. I'll never feel the need to own it on Blu-ray or anything, but every time they bring it back to IMAX, I'll go see it because it's worth it for that spectacle and the size of it all and how much effort went into making it the way it was made. So good. It's now old enough for Leonardo DiCaprio to no longer be interested in it. Which is the meme that's going around, isn't it? I'm not sure, to be honest. Another film I saw was What's Love Got To Do With It, which is a rom-com with, I want to say, Lily James and Shazad Latif's in it. It's about a Muslim doctor who ends up deciding that he wants to go and get an arranged marriage, because why not? It digs into the reasons that people would want to do that and the idea is that the Lily James character makes a documentary about the whole process of getting an arranged marriage and the modernisation of it and all that stuff. It is quite interesting, although it sort of lost me as it was going on, mostly because I just didn't find it that funny. But I think it's a really good riff on a familiar story with representative elements. And people will have ideas in their head about what Muslim culture is, especially when it comes to stuff like arranged marriage. So making a 
I assume will end up being mainstream comedy about it is a good thing. It's not my usual thing. I'm not super into rom-coms, but I watched it. Cool. <laughs> Another thing I saw was Cocaine Bear, which I didn't like. I thought it completely failed to live up to a premise that should have been really easy to execute. I felt like it needed a director like James Gunn when he was doing B-movie stuff or someone like that, someone of that area. It's just one of those things that tries to coast by on its novelty and it doesn't work. The characters are really annoying. It just gets really tedious after a while. So it's one of those things where the title is the best thing about it. Okay, doke. It's all the gimmicks on the thingy that are not really worth catching up on. No. Another thing I saw was Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which I did not like. It is certainly the first Marvel movie in a while that I've actively disliked. And I wrestle with this a little bit because objectively it probably isn't as bad as some of the other ones. And it's probably not fair to be heaping all the criticism on it. But I also feel like it's a bit of a cumulative effect with Marvel at the moment because a lot of what the release has been pretty mediocre and... Obviously, this one's touted as the big boost for Phase 5 and the introduction of the next big bad and all this stuff. It's got all this stuff hanging on Scott Lang's shoulders, and I don't think his character can necessarily shoulder it, but I feel like there was a better story in there that they could have told. The Quantum Realm is pretty visually boring, I found. I thought it was a pretty ugly-looking film, just murky sludge most of the time. And The thing is, the central gimmick for Ant-Man is he grows or shrinks, and in order for you to appreciate that, you have to put him next to stuff you recognise so that you know that he's either taller or smaller than it. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, no matter what size he changes to, he's changing to it against a universe. We have no reference of, like, this could be a human-sized rock, or it could be, like, the size of a planet. We don't know. Well, there is actually a bit in the film where he's supposed to be huge, and they make a comment about how huge he is. But then you look at the background, and it just looks no different from the previous background when he was normal-sized. So I'm just sitting there thinking, what is this? What have yeah. you done here? And it's a shame, because Scott Lang's really good. Jonathan Majors was great as Kang, although he was kind of underserved by a pretty lackluster script. Catherine Newton was really good. She's usually good in things anyway, but she was really good, again, underserved by a pretty lackluster script. Michael Douglas was just cashing a paycheck. No need to be there at all, really. He didn't do very much. Same with Evangeline Lilly. It's a film called Ant-Man and the Wasp, and she's hardly in it. She doesn't have very much to do. But if anyone's wondering if it's an essential viewing in order to understand what's going to be happening with Kang and what's going to play out over the next couple of phases, you can skip it and you'll miss nothing. But I think that's the case with pretty much every Marvel film. I don't think any of them have been must-sees in order to understand what's going on. They've let people believe that and they've let the hype surrounding it develop that idea. Even in worst-case scenario, you can just read the Wikipedia and it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) just ask someone. In fairness, it's like in a comic event where, say, Thor turns up and he says, oh, I was just out on the fringes of space fighting whatever... And then I came here. You may not have read that comic and you don't need to to understand what's going on in the main event. It'll be like that. What will happen is Scott will explain to someone what happened to him in the quantum realm and then that'll catch everybody up. I'm reading Captain Marvel at the moment. It's not an event, but it's a team up with the X-Men. And it's like, to really understand what's going on, you've got to pick up X-Men something. It's like, no. <laughs> I'll figure it out. I'm guessing the X-Men will just be fighting the brood. I don't need to read both. You'd waste money on that comic and then you would think... I probably shouldn't have bought that. Yeah, I'm not in a rush to see them doing the same fight from a different perspective, but it's that sort of thing. (laughs) That's fair enough. There's probably other things that I've been watching that I'll remember as I go, because it always happens where I forget. Even though I make notes of things that I've been watching, I'll end up forgetting. Anyway, do you have anything to plug for the final listeners? Nope. I only do one podcast and it's this. And they're listening to it, so keep listening. Don't turn off. That's my plug. (laughs) 
no art projects on the go? I mean, just little bits and bobs. There's not a thing I kind of schedule. I just kind of wing it and go like, oh, if I feel like doing it, it'll go up whenever it goes up. But no, I don't really plan ahead for certain things to go up on Twitter or anything. It's just kind of however I'm feeling. Yeah, there's not a schedule to it, so something might go up eventually cool for me all my reviews of things like the winchester's picard the flash are on the website and i do other podcasts on this website as well there'll be other stuff there'll be an ant-man podcast that'll be coming there's various other things that we're gonna be having a go at aaron and i recorded a chat about episodes of earth's mightiest heroes the avengers cartoon prior to secret invasion but no idea when secret Invasion's coming out it may be late this year at this point because we'll talk about later what the marvel plans are shifting to but we got it in the can we got it in the bag and i think andrew and i are going to talk about flashpoint animated movie before the flash comes out so a few things in the pipeline outside of the website i do bits and pieces on the we made this podcast network somewhat recently i recorded a chat about the returning season of doctor who with christopher eccleson it came out as a two-part release where we talked about eccleson's short yet memorable run on the show so check that out that's probably the most recent thing i've been on on we made this it's always fun talking to baz and his son about doctor who his son who is i think he's 16 or 17 and he could give you a run for your money with doctor who knowledge i'd be almost interested to get the two of you on a recording and see what happens i'm always very well it's the thing i come on here for but even just in general on twitter i'm like no i don't know who that this is a sort of side bit a thingy gripe when people always talk about the acting or directing in the episodes that don't exist anymore and it's like you're doing this as a weird flex but it doesn't exist anymore <laughs> maybe they are in their I don't know, 60s or 70s or however old they are so they could have watched it when they're kids but you don't remember it's like under 60 years ago it's a funny old fandom is doctor who there's nothing this month actually weirdly they've been a bit quiet mm. No, yeah. They do a little bit hype up pre-filming and then occasionally it sort of dribbles out little bits, but there won't be anything official for a long time. I don't know. I mean, they did all that initially and now there'll be a bit of a slog until later in the year when they start ramping it back up again. Imagine. And we'll do our 50th anniversary chat before the 60th anniversary happens. I think that we're planning that at some point. Yeah, let's get that in before November. Yeah, okay, let's move on to trailers. We have a few of those. Let's start with Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies. And I talked earlier, I say earlier, a few minutes ago, about how I'm sick of nostalgia baiting and things like that. And that's what this is to me. It's just more of that. It's, here's a thing that you once liked and here's more of it, but we'll try and make it different. And my immediate question is, do we need this? It's odd because it's prior to Grease, but it is going like on a question the norms of the 50s but it has to then go back to greece so they can't to one point in the trailer there's a girl who wants to join the i forgot the name of the male gang like the mechanic guys that's in greece but she wants to join in them and it won't happen in the movie because they can't really get it done but they're thrown around the expectations of the time in the 50s but still the rise of the pink ladies getting all the pink jackets and stuff the trailer sort of starts off like oh here's these people who don't fit in and maybe we should try and change things around so they do fit in but by greece which i think was a prequel to that won't have happened. Even if they do change for this movie, they'll probably change back to fit in for Greece because it's a problem with all prequels. You can't change too much because you know what the future is. But it certainly had that 50s sort of sepia tone look to it. It looks like they're going to the Iceberg Lounge when they go to a big, I think it's called like Ice Palace or something, this big 50s sort of nightclub bar, jazz club place. But I honestly imagined it being like the Penguins one. <laughs> You'll go in and he's just there quacking around and doing all that. Well, on this, I'm aware of Greece, but I'm not in on the law. Are you a fan of Greece, the film slash the music in said film? I can't remember. I think it's okay. I was in it at school as a chorus person in year nine ish. That was the last time I interacted with the world of Greece. That was 14 years ago. 
How old am I? What's 31 minus 13? How many years that was ago? That impossible to work out number. 18 years ago? Is that right? Yeah. I last watched, thought of Greece 18 years before today when I watched this trailer. I haven't seen the film in decades, probably, but it's one of those things where when the music comes on, it's very hard not to find it a bit of a bop. Every wedding that you go to, it'll play at some point, or if you go to karaoke, someone will inevitably go up and sing one of the Grease songs, etc. Yeah. It's culturally cemented, and you can't get away from it. I just don't think we need this. The trailer is only 40 seconds long. Ugh, I'm not keen. It feels like there's quite a couple of these, actually. Going forward into our trailer thingy, there's certainly a vibe. <laughs> Anyway, let's move on to Resident Evil Death Island. It's the latest animated Resident Evil movie. The Resident Evil movies are weird because we've had so many different adaptations of things recently. We had the really terrible film that came out and we had the Netflix series, which I watched two episodes of and decided to give it up because I just wasn't enjoying it. And the animated films are set in amongst all the video games. So it's all this weaving, interconnected story, which essentially is... People go to different places and some kind of outbreak happens where there might be zombies, there's other creatures, whatever. So that's what's kind of happening here. Been hit and miss as movies. It looks decent enough. Jill Valentine is back, which is a character I really like. She hasn't been actually seen in the franchise since Resident Evil 5. So people are really excited about that. Or Revelations, which I think is set before Resident Evil 5. But she's not been seen since then, so people are excited about that, including me. Does seem to be a flashback, though, because I think she's wearing her... Resident Evil 3 outfit. The animation looks great. It looks like a very well-animated thing. Because it's quite a sort of fast-paced trailer, and I didn't know it was an animated movie. I think there's a few crowd scenes, and I think it's Alcatraz was showing us. It felt odd. Thinking it was a live-action, it's got some sort of odd sheen to it. Oh no, it's it's animated, so it's it's not supposed to look photorealistic. Yeah, this is a universe I don't know anything of, except those movies we watched. Those movies that have nothing to do with games, broadly. Yeah. So you thought the animation looked good enough that you thought for a second it might be real, and then you started seeing the CGI characters. Yeah, when it started, it's a typical Star Wars trailer where they just show action snippets and little horror snippets and bits of monster and stuff. And then by the time it gets into people talking or close up, you're like, oh no, that's not human. There's an animated quality to it. And I like click on things. Like, oh, it's animated. Yeah. I'm very out of the world of Resident Evil, other than those films that you forced me to watch, a thing that I would never do to you. I wouldn't say I forced you. There was an agreement. We watched those plus Fast and Furious. Yeah, but in each occasion, one of us benefited more. You benefited more from watching these movies and I benefited more from watching the Fast movies. It was a stalemate then. Yeah, it was a stalemate. We both forced each other to watch these franchises that we just sort of got through to get through. There was no point where both of us were having a good time. You might be able to answer this though. In the trailer, there is a coffee order there's some stuff written on the coffee cup and I freeze-framed it so I could read what it is. It says CM plus CCXWC. So what does that mean? You use a barista, you can tell us. XWC will be extra whipped cream. CM, I think, is caramel macchiato. CC could be extra caramelly. I think it's a caramel macchiato, extra caramel, extra whipped cream. Okay. Anyway, let's move on to the next one. Pope's Exorcist. This looks pretty good, actually. Looks suitably creepy. Russell Crowe dusting off his interesting accents again. He likes to play with his accents, even though he's not very good at any of them. But he has a go. What is this? Well, it seems to be based on a true-ish story of some account from an exorcist that worked for the Vatican or was it the Vatican or I don't know. I don't really know much about the background of it, but it just looks like a standard exorcism horror movie. It takes a lot visually from the Exorcist film, 
the head turning all the way around and the demon talking through a child and stuff like that. There's enough elements where is it like, is this a remake of Exorcist? Then it's based on a true story. But also, I don't know anything about the original Exorcist. So that might also be based on the Vatican's Exorcist. But it essentially looks like the same film. If it's not a remake of Exorcist, it's close enough that it is a remake of Exorcist. It has all the iconic stuff that even me, who hasn't seen The Exorcist, recognises. Like the shadow and the priest walking in, he's got the hat and the possessed child in the bed and the demony skin and stuff. So. I can't work out what this is. But it seems like if Russell Crowe gets possessed, that's really bad news. It's what I said, kind of glazed over on this one, because I didn't know what it was. Some of it's a remake of The Exorcist-ish. Some of it's just walking around the Vatican and having meetings with the Pope and stuff. I don't really concentrate much on this one. I don't know what this is. I don't see what the appeal of this is. Because people who are really into Exorcist sort of stuff will think it's too close to the Exorcist movie. That it doesn't look like it's really doing a new thing that's you know worth merit of it not being an exorcist but is it going to be more about the vatican stuff then that is what makes it different but i'm not sure if if that's what the horror fans want to see then i was struggling to understand what the audience for this would be i just thought it looked creepy and i was quite interested in how creepy it looked so maybe watch it we'll see when it comes out what's happening that week next one you were dead excited about this luther the fallen son luther yeah this looks brilliant talk to me about luther i haven't seen much of Luther. I think I've seen the first two seasons. I understand it gets really insane as it goes on. Yeah, it's a pretty typical crime show. Luther's a cop and he's catching the worst of the worst in London. And it just it is the worst people. It is the most horrific crime. There's a scene in this trailer where it's an actress, Hattie Morahan, and there's a fire and there's a guy looking through the window with some sort of digital image face over his face in the hood as hiding his identity. And it's that kind of crawling horror boogeyman thing not in any supernatural way it's real awful evil people being as deliberately terrifying as possible which looks like this happening in this film that specific scene stood out to me the crime the attack we got andy circus being unusually himself i say unusually himself usually a cg monster or a thing but here he's just some sort of rich scum looking guy so yes at the end of series five luther is imprisoned and uh don't think he fully solves the thing kind of lingering for a while what's sort of happening there it's not clear in the trailer i'm not really read too much about what the movie's going to be but i'm guessing that he's been in prison since whichever year series five was i think it was maybe two or three years ago to now and he's just sort of been doing time and now he's having to break out to tie up the loose ends of stuff that is sort of left behind and i think mostly wrap up the narrative strings that Luther had and Idris Elba has been trying to make a movie out of Luther forever I don't know whether it's been developed in hell or not or if they have been optioning it for a while but a movie was always the plan <laughs> Idris Elba has always wanted Luther to, to at some point become a film length proper film so why is Netflix making this I thought it was a BBC creation or was it just the BBC was where it got sold to or whatever it was a BBC creation I'm assuming BBC have sold the rights to it or they're not interested in continuing it I think by the end Idris Elba was producing it so they probably just sold it like I said it's been trying to make a movie for a while and I think it must have been optioned around or BBC Studios aren't interested in making a movie so he must have gained the rights or him and uh, creator Neil Cross must have moved it over to whoever will take it off them so now Netflix must have bought it off them and they're like yeah we're not really planning on doing anything with this so yeah have at it this is one of the things I'm most excited for unfortunately it doesn't seem to be playing in Edinburgh which is a shame I've had a look it's having limited cinema release but it doesn't seem to be at any Edinburgh cinemas it's probably London <laughs> Manchester other places but I think it's out in 
cinemas this week, end of February, and then it comes out on Netflix mid-March. I- Do you think if people haven't seen the series up to this point, they can still watch this film and be okay with it? Or is it going to be heavily reliant on plot points from previous things? I think it's going to be heavily reliant on the last two series. Series one to three with the initial thing, and it kind of solved all the things with three, and then each time it's bring it back after a while for like one series and ended it and then bring it back. So each one's kind of been the end of a bit. Considering that it seems to be dealing with the aftermath of the previous series, there is a chance that it might be designed to be, you know, you can dive straight back into this without seeing Luther and you might be able to pick it up relatively quickly. But if you have seen this trailer and you haven't seen Luther before and you want to watch this film, I would gamble on catching the last two series on iPlayer or wherever else you can find it. So series four and five, because I think they'll definitely play a part in both the motivations of all the characters that are still kicking around and the plot elements will come up or certain characters that have died over the time or heel turned or change allegiances and stuff will probably come up. So I'm assuming it will be designed so you could go in, but I think it's probably going to be better to know a bit going in. Like I said, they're not two long series. It's two episodes in series four, four in series five. So collectively, it's six hours. Annoying bit of homework, but I think that's how you get the maximum film by doing that. Okay, see how that goes. Maybe I'll catch up at some point. Who knows? I don't have anything to say about this Luther trailer, really. I couldn't really follow it. It looks like Luther and Triselp is really good. I'm guessing it's just the BBC can't afford him anymore. So they had to get people with deeper pockets. Probably, yeah, that's probably part of it. Over time, the number of episodes and stuff did get small I think because he just had to couldn't afford to pay him he is an expensive man is old Idris exactly okay let's move on the next one is class of 07 this Australian comedy about a class reunion where it gets really badly flooded or there's a tsunami or something I don't know I don't know what quite what causes the, the flooding but they're all stuck together it's pretty good actually I quite like Australian comedy I've seen quite a bit of it and I like the vibe of what they produce normally. School reunion isn't really a cultural thing we have in the UK, but it's also really easy to understand the impulse to impress people you haven't seen in a while or people that you feel have been more successful than you, things like that. So I totally get what the film is getting at. And then being stuck with people you don't really want to be around is also something we can all relate to. I like Emily Browning. It looks pretty funny. I will give this a watch. Yeah, it looks pretty fun. Looks like a certain amount of high school trauma (laughs) that... They could get through in a night because they don't have to bring it up is going to start to surface a bit more as well. So, yeah, there's quite a lot of stuff going on in this. It looked quite fun. I initially thought it was an end of the world thing, but I don't think it's as bad as a bit in the trailer. It's not the end of the world. And then next we see them, they are surrounded by just water. And I was like, oh, is the earth over? (laughs) Maybe it is, but I can't tell. But maybe they'll be trapped there forever. Maybe. I guess we'll find out. Let's move on to Strays. It's a film about dogs. Will Ferrell voices a dog. It looks like one of those movies where comedy actors come together and have fun with their mates and make a film it looks like one of those yeah it's one of those it's a sausage party or a ted or a hangover they're sort of harmless you watching when you're in your teens not much to say about this it's just one of them but the dogs i don't know about you but i found the mouth movements of the dogs really unnerving yeah i tried to not focus on that too much but if anyone is close-ups is like oh that is weird i think the best part of this is the end bit where they eat the weird mushrooms and some of it's animated and some of it's hand puppets and stuff that's quite fun that's probably the funniest bit of the film and it's in the trailer yeah yeah i like seeing the dog getting spooked up by the eagle that was quite funny yeah that happens i'm trying to remember <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of glazed over it it's like okay one of those let's move on to tetris we have a trailer for tetris and when you're thinking how can you make a film out of tetris it's a 
puzzle game with blocks, but it's actually the story behind Tetris. They're social networking it. I remember ages ago watching a documentary made by a YouTube channel, The Gaming Historian, I think, and it was really good. It's a really interesting story because it's in the backdrop of the Soviet Union coming apart and just the machinations that go into making this game a reality and how simple it is and all that stuff. I think the trailer looks great. Taron Egerton's in it. There's some really funny bits. The unveiling of the Game Boy as if it's this big seismic reveal and of course it is because Game Boy was huge it did so much business for Nintendo you can insert some dialogue there it doesn't have a backlight and it's got a weird yellow screen but it uses less batteries than the Game Gear will do when that comes out so that's something yeah they have gone the right way where the game itself isn't interesting but the world the game was made in is the actual focus and then yeah like you said it's making this from our eyes odd well not odd but we're very far advanced on where they are, but in that time, this is revolutionary technology, a handheld gaming device. So this looks quite fun. The climate around making Tetris and that era of video game stuff. One day people will be playing this game on their phones and it will be loaded with adverts and microtransactions. And exactly. you will see none of that money because someone will screw you over. Has there been another thing like a film like this where it is... The early days of video games, a film that focused on that era, I can't think of any. Yeah, I'm not sure. Was there not something getting made about the E.T. game debacle? About the landfill that was found full of the E.T. cartridges? That sounds familiar. I can't remember if it was more of a documentary or more of a dramatisation. Anyway, this looks really good. I really like the cutaways to video game graphics or where they splice them over the live-action image and things. I think it's a really good stylistic flourish. Yeah, it looks interesting. It's quite a fun little trailer. What's it out on? I can't remember. Apple TV Plus. Okie doke. I'll try and find a way of watching it. Oh, that reminds me, I saw an Apple TV thing at the cinema. Oh, yeah? Which one? Sharper. Because they're doing it at the Everyman in Edinburgh, so I'll just keep an eye out and see if they do a screening of Tetris, and I'll try and go to that. What did you think of the Apple TV Plus thing that you saw at the cinema? Oh, it was really good. Yeah, I should have mentioned this in what I was watching. I've forgotten about it till now. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's a fairly standard con artist-style movie, but... I mean, it was a lovely day out of the cinema because I got a free whiskey old-fashioned and free popcorn. It certainly helped that it was always a nice little event to go to. Whereas if I'd just watched the movie at home, probably wouldn't remember it as much as remembering the evening of going out to this thingy, going to have some food afterwards. So my review of that is biased. What do we say about the social experience of going to the cinema sometimes? Exactly, yeah. Let's move on to our next trailer, The Covenant. I think this is a really good trailer. I don't know if the film itself will be any good, but I think the trailer presentation is excellent. So this is the Guy Ritchie and Jake Hall army film. Not a genre of film I tend to watch, but it certainly stands out a bit more than other trailers of this kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know much to say about it other than I think it looks good. Yeah, to be honest, I probably won't watch it. It'll be one of those films I kind of forget about. But for people who are into this kind of movie, the modern army style movie, this looks like it should be a pretty good one. It should stand out pretty well. Yeah, so yeah, let's move on. We have The Little Mermaid. It kind of pains me to say I don't like the look of this because there are so many people that are dissing it for the wrong reasons because they've race flipped the lead. She's not a white drawing anymore. She is a black mermaid. And that's a problem because mermaids exist and aren't black, apparently, according to some people who knows. It's a shame that I just don't think this looks much good because it just doesn't. It looks like a drab and murky mess. The visuals aren't interesting. There is some colour in there, but it is far from impressive. Yeah, it's so greyish looking. I think this will do well, but it won't be because of people will be like, oh, it's gone woke or whatever. And it's like, no, it just doesn't look very good. Good old fashioned doesn't look very good. It's an odd choice, especially if they do stuff like, was it under the sea? That's quite a celebration of 
you know, the world and the coral reefs and the fish and stuff. If you're in this, it'll be a bit more brighter, a bit more interesting looking. Otherwise, it's just kind of murky. This doesn't look like it's appealing to children. My abiding question is, how can you have the same company make Avatar and how great that looks and then make this? Yeah, I mean, obviously the CGI could be as good and they'll put in as much money, which is because it's just so murky and dark. We won't be able to see anyway. Probably would look as good if you just brightened it up. That's certainly been a big backlash to it. I won't be surprised if this is delayed a fair amount. We're going to brighten this up and we're going to come back, especially because there's this, is it the reveal of you know, Melissa McCarthy as Ursula at the end. It could be anything. I can kind of see a bit of a forehead. I'm going to guess that this is going to get shuffled around and moved back so they can brighten it up and get more colour and more visual interest. I think they've probably got the message from the audience reaction of, what is this? Why can't I see it? Why do we live in this entertainment world where everything is just really dark to look at. It's very weird. It's just this disturbing trend as if not seeing things is good. Well, not that it's good, but every company seems to be at it. They seem to be releasing these things that just look ugly because they're just so washed out and dark and unpleasant to look at. And it's really weird. What happened to all the colour that used to be in these things? I don't think they started it, but the Zack Snyder superhero movement contributed it, certainly. Yeah, the grim and gritty mid-naughty sort of thing. And it's slowly descended from washed out colours to now it's just sort of grey mess. It's hard to see what's happening. We know that VFX artists are really strained at the moment and that's probably got a lot to do with it. But it just seems to be a deliberate choice for a lot of people and it's very strange to have to sit and watch this. Why buy anything in 4K when you just can't see it? Yeah, no, I definitely think this won't come out like it is. It'll be the same as like a Sonic. We'll look at it as like, yeah, people don't want to see this. So let's... Take it back, fix it up, and then try again. Because you see sometimes you get these fan edits where they bring the colour that already exists out, the colour that they've suppressed. There was a Man of Steel video where the colour corrected it to just bring out the the vibrancy of it. Yeah, what if Man of Steel was in colour? It does look much better. Yeah, but the problem is you get the Joss Whedon Justice League where they colour corrected it in post-production, and it looks awful because those costumes were never built to be shown in that kind of style. Yeah, I think they'll fix it, but it won't be as easy as just boosting the brightness or whatever. It'll be quite an artistic effort to make everything shine a bit more and look more interesting. Anyway, let's move on. This is one that you'll be excited about and I'm not. Fast X. What do you think of the Fast X trailer? I don't know about that. They're sort of goofy and that's fun. I'm watching the trailer, it just kind of goes over you. Yeah, they're just doing weird stuff. I think the last one may have been a little too far in terms of immortal nonsense. In the previous ones, the stunts were insane, but it felt like they were all kind of surprised. When they did stuff like in Fast 7, when they're jumping the car from building to building, or when they're sitting in the safe in 5, or running away from the big submarine or whatever in 8. It's insane and impossible, but now the world's gone so insane after the last one that it's hard to feel any stakes. I was kind of watching this, and it's like, yeah, they'll all be fine. Like the trailer could start with Vin Diesel getting shot in the head and on fire, and he's like, it'll be all right. They'll just shake it off in this weird world. The last two... Obviously, they're just going to go up and up and up, but it may have gone a bit too far from... It's silly but goofy, and it's just watching cars go fast and ridiculous nonsense, but this might be a little too nonsense, if such a thing can exist. To the point where it's not memorable. It's fun to see the insane stuff, like in the last one where, in the trailer, he hooks the bridge under his car and just swings over a giant chasm. That's the kind of insanity that we expect. But in this one, because it's all that sort of level... None of it really stands out. There's not a sort of standout weird stunt happening, which is lots of that stuff. Yeah, you see Vin Diesel pull two helicopters into each other. Yeah, okay, done. 
stuff like this before. It's maybe the problem of if everything's so insane, then it's all mundane. It might be losing a little bit of its charm. If we move away from the stunts to what we have got in this, so we have Jason Momoa as the son of someone from Five. Yeah, it turned out he was standing behind the safe as it was stolen. He was standing behind the safe, and no one was like, that's Jason Momoa. But this isn't the sort of universe where you remember what the stories are. I'm sure people do. So far we've had Han was killed in a car crash. Yeah. And then Jason Statham killed him. Yeah. And then he wasn't in the car at He's not in the car. Those are the same event. It's all the same event. Next time they won't even be in Tokyo. Or Jason Momoa will be there. <laughs> I was in the car and I was behind the safe, and it was all a big plan or something to get back at Dom. More interesting about this is the trailer for the trailer for Fast 10 was the trailer for Fast 1. Oh yeah, they did modern versions of the trailer, didn't they? Yeah, so one, it was exciting to see how different it was, and I'd forgotten that Paul Walker was a policeman. <laughs> oh yeah, that was the part of the first one, he was trying to catch Dom. Well, the first Fast and the Furious is essentially a remake of Point Break with cars. Yeah, they just planning a crime to steal some DVD players or VHS players and he has to stop him because he's also good at driving or whatever and he has to do races. I think Dom says race wars in it. I mean that's the first one or one of them. Vin Diesel's trying to steal DVD VHS combi things. Yeah, the other big combi thing. And now he's pulling a helicopter to another helicopter. I think the purpose of this is Paul Walker's back in some way. That trailer was mostly the Paul Walker part of one. I think that's there to go. This is the next thing. We've got everyone else back. We've got new characters as well. Jason Momoa is a new villain. We have I was going to say Carl Danvers then. We have Brie Larson <laughs> as unknown character. I think some people are suggesting might be a part of Paul Walker's family. I can't remember his character's name in these. Brian? I think his name is. Brian, yeah. Maybe part of Brian's family. Maybe just another person. Fast and Furious is the franchise where you just refer to the characters as the actors' names. Yeah, everyone's just Vin Diesel and Paul Walker and Jason Momoa. <laughs> Tyrese, The Rock, whoever. Jason Momoa is the new villain. We already know from an interview with Vin Diesel that he doesn't stick around because he said that he wants Robert Downey Jr. to be the villain of the next movie. It's a two-part big finale film, so we can assume that he doesn't make it to part two. So that's fun going in. Or he'll join the gang in part two. Or he'll join the gang like John Cena did and Jason Statham did and everyone else did. Maybe the next movie will just be the one person who isn't in the Fast family versus the world. <laughs> So yeah, we have some new stars, a myriad of cars and explosions, but I think the big thing with this one is they'll somehow CGI Paul Walker into it. It'll be the return of Brian. And that's what they're building up to. The trailer heavily implies that someone's going to die. I don't think that will actually happen. Yeah, that's a problem. They should all be dead. Several times. What made them nice and charming is their insanity, but there is a seriousness to them that's kind of earnest and delightful but then it's not a threat to go, like one of these has died they should all be dead it's hard to believe that like, one of them might die it's definitely getting to a point also that there's egos that are too big to die that are controlling the film it's difficult to believe that if they're throwing this much insanity out over the last few movies that when it's like oh but maybe this will be the it yeah they should be they're all immortal at this point yeah. so it's not a surprise that one of them might die and also because they're just the stars they're just gal gat who else is there other person who else is there I can't remember. Tons of people in the family. So yeah, sure, maybe John Cena might die. Or Jason Statham. It doesn't really matter. Because we know that Vin Diesel will be fine. A podcast that we both listen to, The Weekly Planet, they talk about how at some point in this franchise someone found a magical amulet that's keeping them all alive. Yeah, that was definitely over the last one. It's now got to the point where, was it the scene where he's below and there's like 20 people with machine guns shooting at him. And even in the movie, he's like, I should be dead. <laughs> I shouldn't have survived where it's now it shouldn't be as aware of how silly i think what was making it fun is it was insane but it was kind of 
treated with a seriousness, but they've gone a bit too far over that line where they can't really treat it the same. And it definitely has hurt the thing. I mean, this is now the Vin Diesel movie starring Vin Diesel, where Vin Diesel is fine and the best. So when they sort of hint or rely on that, or people won't make it, it doesn't really matter because it's all about Vin Diesel now. The egos have hurt the film and it's difficult to really get invested when you know that they have to have a legal, or not a legal, but a required amount of punches and kicks equal to other people's punches and kicks that have certainly affected the fun that you can have with these. So I have a few notes about this trailer. The first one is the word family is said five times in a three minute, 42 second trailer. Also, nearly four minutes is too long for a trailer. Very long for a trailer. Something I forgot to mention earlier, actually, is I really hate YouTube at the moment with their obnoxious advert stuff. So the Resident Evil trailer, I was watching it for prep for this. And before it, I had to watch two 30 second adverts and the trailer was 30 seconds long. So my viewing time was tripled because of YouTube. In the 30 seconds that you wanted, they've gained 90 seconds of your time. Yeah, an extra 60 seconds of my time that I did not need to spend has been spent on that. But I refuse to pay £11 a month for ad-free YouTube. That's too expensive. Yeah, that's just silly. Anyway, Jason Momoa says something about his family and his life being taken by, I guess, Vin Diesel. And it's said, well, the safe is being ripped out of the wall. So was his family in the safe? Was his future in the safe? And the safe must have hit someone. <laughs> what was in that safe? I can't even remember. I think it's just the family fortune. They couldn't take the gangster's fortune away, so they just take the safe away with it in. It's as effective as stealing all the money inside and leaving the safe. So I think it was more they destroyed the family's money and, in that case, power, influence, and everything that they sort of stood for. Okay. It also seems like Han and Statham have a friendly moment at some point in the film. Oh, Jason Statham's back. He's allowed back for some reason. The Hobbs and Shaw universe is not going ahead. <laughs> apparently. But it makes sense that Han and Jason Statham have a friendly moment since Statham didn't actually kill him. No one knows what happened during that event anymore. Yeah, they've gone from enemies to friends. And they're kind of a fun pairing. They will watch this, obviously, even though it doesn't look as good. But that's kind of a nice pairing of these two characters that have that unknown history, but it alters depending on the needs of the movie history. We get some sort of weird scene at the end involving maybe a brain swap or something. (laughs) It's so insane. It's like, yeah, sure. With Michelle Rodriguez and... Real Larson. No, it's Charlize Theron, isn't it? Yeah. I got it mixed up because there's a bit where Brie Larson is in a scene with Michelle Rodriguez and they say something about game recognising game. Yeah, she seems to be family adjacent. I don't seem to be on Cypher's team, but she seems to be having her own mission concurrent. So yeah, she'll be up to stuff. It's a fun addition. And it did kind of wash over me just because it's so nonsense that it's no longer like what sort of silly antics are they going to get up to? But also, they're obviously going to be fine. And because of Vin Diesel's ego, there's not too much stakes. I watched it with sort of like a haze, and I was like, yeah, okay, I'll watch this, but it's not very exciting. If you'll pardon the pun, it feels like the franchise is running out of road, and it's about time for it to end. It's running out of that 24-mile-long runway they had. (laughs) Another note that I've got is, it looks like Vin Diesel is counting himself into a race that he's racing, just because of the way the trailer's edited. Oh yeah, they have the weird, they have a sexy race. I don't thought of that, but yeah, he's driving and he's also judging the race. Obviously, it's a massively profitable franchise still. But hopefully they end on these last two, because it is running out of NAS. It's running out of road. (laughs) Yeah. I've never really liked them that much. And every time I see a trailer for one of these, I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's just one of those things. The fact that they're invincible thing, because the previous film had flashbacks to when his dad died, when Vin Diesel's dad died, Terrell's dad. The accident that claims his life, you see characters survive much worse than that minutes before and after. (laughs) 
Yeah. Why did this kill him? Because the other characters are dead and they've been through way worse. I just saw them go through way worse a few minutes ago. Yeah, it's charm is that it's a cartoon universe and it's all made by Acme and whatever, but it's become a bit too oddly aware of it and it's kind of sapping the fun out of it, which is a shame. So yeah, if it's rounding off, then yeah, still go and see it and we'll watch the last two, but hopefully that's where they leave it. Maybe this film, someone will die and then Vin Diesel goes back in time to prevent it from happening yeah. in the next film. So you might get your Past of the Furious that you keep asking for. I might get the Past and the Furious, but yeah, we'll see. I don't think it's too far away. No, it's later this year. Oh yeah, later this year, so we'll find out. Yeah, we will. Much to our chagrin. The last trailer, we have John Wick Chapter 4. I don't really have many notes on this. It just looks like more stylish carnage like the other John Wick films. And I'm here for it, because I like those movies. I hated the third one. <laughs> I definitely tapped out. I'm like, nah, it's just too much of kind of shooting people in the head. And the last one was very uncreative. It started off more creative, then it just sort of devolved into long periods of John Wick shooting people in the head. And it just went on for too long. And this one's ridiculously long. Is it 2 hours 50 or 2 hours 49 or something? Yeah, it's nearly 3 hours long for a John Wick movie. I don't think that's justifiable. Yeah, it's not really doing anything new. It's just sort of doing the same thing in John Wick 1, but for too long. And I'm not in any more on these. I wonder if your reaction to the last one was because we watched the other two films like two days before. We did. That did not help. You might have just had a bit of John Wick saturation. It felt like watching a really good magic trick performed again and again, like a hundred times. And you're like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I've seen the invisible card flight. It's very excellent sleight of hand, but I've seen you do it like a thousand times. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I've definitely tapped out of this franchise. Oh, well. I'll let you know what I think of it. Will you see the ballerina, the Anna de Armas spinoff? When that comes Probably out? not, no. <laughs> I think this whole universe, I'm sort of like, I don't want to... Just too much weird hotels and coins and <laughs> no one's not an assassin. Everyone in Tesco's is an assassin. They're just waiting. <laughs> I'm good. I don't need any more of this. Okay. Well, that's it for trailers. But should we cut to ourselves in the past and talk about the Super Bowl trailers? Because we did that earlier. Yeah. See what our younger, more handsome selves think of what happened at the Super Bowl. The version a week ago had showered. Maybe this one hasn't. I don't know. He dressed up for it. Put on a suit and tie. <laughs> it was like sports commentating. Put on a Super Bowl suit and tie to go watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> Super Bowl trailers. Not the Super Bowl. We would never watch sport. No, this is not a podcast for sport. Let us go to ourselves. Thank you, future Craig and Isaac. We are here at the Super Bowl. Or are we? Are we at the Super Bowl, Isaac? Who won? Who's playing? Who cares? Who cares? Usually when we do cutaways to things, it's Doctor Who themed, so we involve time travel. And this time it isn't, but we are we are time traveling. <laughs> so it's still roughly the same. Yeah, but also it's technically related to a sporting event and neither of us could care less. We're not here to talk about sports like nerds. We're here to talk about big budget movie trailers. Sports fans are nerds, aren't they? They're the biggest nerds around. Everything where you are devoted to it and you follow it is nerdy. Whether it's sports, movies, fashion, etc., etc., all those big bunch of nerds. Yeah, but Super Bowl time is exciting for people like us because there are trailers. They normally give us thirty seconds of footage for something that's coming up, and it costs about seven million bucks for that thirty seconds of screen time. So that's excessive. But you're never going to get more eyeballs on a trailer than you are here, really, are you? No, this is the place to release stuff outside of San Diego Comic Con and. D23 and stuff. This is 
for the world, for the general global population, this is where you want to put your big trailers. Even with those events, you're only really broadcasting to the room and then when they go online later, it's whoever watches them then. But here it's just everybody yep. watching the Super Bowl. Certainly in the US, we'll see all these trailers. And I think it's a pretty good selection this year. Yeah, got quite a few. Let's just go through some of them. We won't catch everything. I know there was a Breaking Bad advert and some other famous people adverts that were there that I haven't collated because who has the time? Yeah, they're just one-off little skits. They're not really news. It's just little individual bits of fun. Yeah. So let's go down the list. Let's start with Duncan, or it might be called Duncan drive Through. I'm not 100% sure on that. Basically, it's Ben Affleck serving donuts to people. And one thing that stood out to me on this 30-second clip is, is he playing himself? Because Jennifer I Lopez so. comes up and says, is this what you do when you say you're going to work? I think he's playing himself. I think it's sort of following on from the tired Ben Affleck meme, and it's now <laughs> becoming into like, that's popular. So, what if we make a thing out of it? And he's given up on the Hollywood life, and now he just works in a Dunkin' Donuts. Was there not a picture of him and J Lo earlier this year, with or maybe late last year, with a bag of Dunkin' Donuts? Maybe isn't Ant Man work at Dunkin' Donuts? No, that was Baskin Robbins. Baskin Robbins, yeah. It's just sort of that. What if a celebrity just wore a uniform like he is <laughs> but it looks like it might be a bit of silly fun bit of mild entertainment yeah it's got kind of a extra style vibes where it's exaggerated fictionalized versions of people put playing themselves just living in this world it's good to see ben affleck emoting because he normally doesn't he's having a nice go ben affleck's the kind of actor where i might have seen him in several things but he's in the ensemble so i can't remember it being a specifically ben affleck movie similar with tom hanks or george clooney i've probably seen like 10 of their rom-coms and be like okay that's them but then you just sort of forget about them after you watch them yeah silly doesn't have to wear back costume so that's fun you have to wonder why they spent seven million dollars advertising this but there must be some reason for it maybe there was another trailer that just wasn't ready it was like oh we can't put this out <laughs> and they're just like what else is on the drive and i was like got this ben affleck thing <laughs> sure that'll do we've paid for seven million dollars please we're gonna put something on sure Anyway, nothing more to say on that, really. The next one is 65. I'm not convinced there's any new footage in here based on the two trailers we've seen already. It's Adam Driver fights dinosaur 65 million years ago. It looks like it'd be a ton of fun, which probably means it won't be. It looks like it should be fun, yeah. I think this is another case of, I'm not sure how much this movie was talked about or known recently, so they thought we should really push it a bit more because it's a fun idea of dinosaurs versus spacemen. Plus, it's a blockbuster with no attached IP to draw on. Yeah, it's just a fresh blockbuster. So yeah, I think they're just sort of like, oh yeah, let's get this a bit more hyped up. And yeah, it does look really fun. It's nothing really to complain about. Adam Driver's great. It's action dinosaurs. Dinosaurs doing stuff instead of Jurassic Park where they just graze. And I don't know, I'm not a big Jurassic Park fan. Well, graze and try to eat people. It's obviously just dangerous dinosaurs. Do you think Adam Driver will be responsible for wiping out the dinosaurs? Do you think that's how it is? I hope so, yeah. And I hope that's what the end is. Just drags the asteroid into the the Earth. It's an unusual project for Adam Driver. He normally doesn't do things like this. He normally goes for prestige stuff. He can have fun. Sure. He just hates dinosaurs. I just want to (laughs) shoot them. I want to shoot dinosaurs in the head. And it's like, sure, we've got just the role for you. If you could use a lightsaber, that'd be great. Laser guns, basically a lightsaber. With easy-to-read ammo indicators. That's one thing I noticed in this trailer. The little Space Invader ships, almost, that serve as the ammo indicator on his gun. Yeah, that feels like that'll be a thing later where he's going to be trying to repower his gun or something, and it'll be flashing red, or it'll be flashing, oh no, low, low, low. 
the video gamification of film. Science fiction stuff's always been like that. I think even in old Star Wars is. It's very colourful and visual. It makes it look alien, but it's not in a different language where you just can't understand it. So it's like, we'll just use basic pictures and big colours to, oh yeah, that's dangerous, that's this. Star Wars sort of set the tone for that style, and it's like, that. No, that's fine. Everyone likes it. Let's move on to Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Again, it's another 30 seconds of footage that may or may not overlap with the footage we've seen already. The lead Transformer in this one seems to be Mirage, and he can create hologram copies of himself. I don't know the Transformers. It looks like he's making... If that's a Transformer, then yeah, that's the one that would be the Mysterio of the Transformers, then yeah, sure. He introduces himself in the trailer as Mirage, so pretty conclusive. Bumblebee's there too. He jumps out of a plane. Yeah. And Optimus Primal, I think, is the name of the big gorilla one. Yeah, because the best way to disguise yourself on an alien planet is to become a 20-foot gorilla, or however tall they are. Or a truck. Alien planets are more likely to have a gorilla than a truck. (laughs) Yeah, but on Earth you blend in easier as a truck, whereas giant gorillas tend to stand out. He might have visited the giant gorilla planet. (laughs) Beforehand, he's just got it saved in his memory. He's like, oh yeah. Someone explained to me the premise of Beast Wars ages ago. I think it's something like the planet's irradiated, so they have to cover themselves in skin or something like that, so they have to look like dinosaurs or animals that were around at the time, and they can transform into their normal mode for a little while. It's nonsense. It's all part of, we want to sell new Transformers, so we'll come up with a thing. I mean, that's fine. That's how it works. We also want to sell product placement to Porsche. Was there a thing where Porsche were like, no, we will not associate ourselves with this toy or something this promotes violence and toys and it's not good but obviously they've had a big change of heart and a new house they're owned by volkswagen now or maybe they've seen how it's like the fast and furious thing where it's supercar franchises is the way forward so we can put our cars into this one too as you can see by these recently financially unsuccessful transformers movies yeah it's a shame that bumblebee didn't do well because it was really good surely six wrongs can make a wrong. no <laughs> was it was the last couple that didn't do very well I think Michael Bay's last one pretty much tanked. And then Bumblebee didn't do very well because it didn't successfully wash the taste of the Michael Bay stuff out of the franchise's mouth. So it wasn't Bumblebee's fault that it didn't do well. It was actually good. It was just, oh God, not another one of these, I think was your general reaction. Yeah, it just happened to come after the other ones. I think it's been long enough where people have kind of forgotten Michael Bay ones. I guess we'll find out. It is nice to see someone else have a crack at it. I know we saw that last time, but someone else, again, have a crack at it. I mean, I said that Bumblebee was fun and good, so no reason this can't be good. Yeah. Next up, Indiana Jones, or Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, to give it its full title. I don't know if there's any new footage here either. Well, I think there is. I think there's him and Phoebe Waller-Bridge jumping out of plane. We got some de-aged Harrison Ford. I think this is the first speaking appearance of Helena. She was in the last trailer, yeah, I don't think she's... Yeah, but I think she just did a reaction shot. We got a... Toby Jones, looking all scruffy. We've got Mars Mickelson, looking appropriately Nazi. This is definitely the most anticipated for me. Everything's just so fascist and horrible in the world <laughs> at the moment. I'd say especially in the UK, but also America and Europe and everywhere else. That grumpy old man just punching Nazis through American ticker tape parades. That's exactly what I want. <laughs> if this film is just punching Nazis and then maybe five minutes of prophecy, then perfect. The de-aging looks really good. Yeah, it looks really good. It's got to the point now where your brain doesn't really notice it. It's so close to another human that you're sort of like, okay, that's Harrison Ford. It's not until you read about it or you see screen capture, like, oh yeah, that's not Harrison Ford. That was Harrison Ford like 40 years ago. What happens is people screen cap it and they screen cap one frame of film and they say, look how crap this looks. Yeah, it's all blurry. and When you're watching it in motion, it probably doesn't look too bad. The thing that tends to lift me out 
when they do de-aging, and I noticed it most in Captain Marvel, was that Samuel L. Jackson may look like a young man, but he doesn't move like one. Yeah, the young abilities of yeah, speed and running, especially if they're fighting or doing anything strenuous, you can't hide that it's an older person doing that. Yeah, I'm guessing they got a stand-in for Harrison Ford and just plastered the face on him. I do love the tactic of holding his hat up to hide his punch. Look inside my hat. <laughs> ooh, looking at the label like, ooh, that's fancy. Ooh, it's from John Lewis or whatever, and then it's just a, <laughs> a punch coming in. It does look a lot of fun. James Mangold, the first non-Spielberg director to direct Indiana Jones. Yeah, was it... A- the last Comic-Con where Harrison Ford was like, and this one's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so this one's actually great, so don't worry about it. I don't mind Crystal Skull. Yeah, it's about the same as all the others. They're all roughly the same. It's better than Temple of Doom. They're all kind of just afternoon, dumb popcorn movies that you just watch because they're fun. But the one with Sean Connery in it's the best. That's true, that one is the best, but I think that's just because it's the Skull. Very fun back and forth between the two of them. But in terms of plot and action and stuff, they're just fun movies to watch with your dad <laughs> while you're having tea. Or something. So it, it'd take a lot to make a really bad one, I think. I read that they've removed all the ageist jokes. Yeah, they took all the jokes about him being old out. That's good. I think there'll be a point where sometimes it's funny, but it could just also be the point of it's just mean. But it's like a bus pass to get on this plane in India or whatever. It is. I don't know that Harrison Ford's going to die soon. <laughs> this is escapism. <laughs> but we'll see. It's not too far away. No, I think it's June. June 20th or something like June that. June 20th. Yeah, around then. Yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. I'm not sure there's any extra footage here. I think it's just a recut of stuff we've seen before. And I think this looks like a lot of fun. Aaron is really looking forward to it because he loves D&D. Same, yeah. I've got someone at work who's very big into D&D and I've been relying on him going, like, what's this? Is that a thing? It looks like it's catching this chaos of the Dungeon Master carefully plans a scenario and the players just mess it up just in the most improv way they can, which seems to be the energy the trailer's giving off. Looks lots of fun. I kind of hope it's got a hidden meta thing. I think I'd really enjoy it if halfway through the movie, at a high tension point, you just cut to a board game in someone's house and this is just someone's campaign. I think that'd be really fun. What I've been wondering is, is it going to be like the Lego movie with that extra layer of reality? Yeah, I hope so. If not, that's fine. But I kind of hope that the players exist and this is just a campaign of D&D. A friend I work with who's really into it likes the idea that if your character dies in D&D, you just make a new one and they can bring him in. So say if Chris Pine dies in the movie, Chris Pine could just come back. When their player just picks a, like, oh, my rogue is dead. Okay, I'll be an elf this time. And they just get Chris Pine coming back as a brand new character. <laughs> and that'd be really fun. Yeah, that could be interesting. We'll see. They haven't even hinted at the possibility of it being anything more than what you see. But then again, neither did the Lego movie. Yeah, and because of the nature of it, you could just film it in a house. You could easily hide, oh, we're just filming in a house of them playing the game. And they've got the books and stuff. You wouldn't put that in the trailer, but it'd be fun to sneak it into the movie and you can have you know, loads of meta jokes and Lego movie style do that sort of thing. We'll find out. I mean, it doesn't matter too much because I don't know much about Dungeons and Dragons, but I think that'd be a fun extra layer. Yeah, we'll be able to find out exactly what Aaron thinks after he's seen it. That'll be an exciting hot take to be near. Yeah, I don't know really anything about it other than there's Dungeons and Dragons and your sort of standard fantasy guys. And it's a bit of a chaotic time, but. Just as a non-player, this looks like a fun movie. You don't have to be a D&D expert to go in and enjoy this. So, yeah, I'm expecting quite a lot of fun for this. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the Super Mario Brothers movie where they do a fake advert that's in the style of the Super Mario Brothers super show that was on back in the 90s where there were plumbers that got into adventures. Mario and Luigi, that is. And it's a really fun video. It's got a lot of unnecessary detail in it. I think the bit where... 
there's loads of dollars coming down and they're doing shocked faces. Mario has got green outline along his ears where they haven't properly taken the green screen out. I love when he rolls the little car along and then he has to fix where it's going. I know that's a trick that's in loads of things, but so those little charming moments where it's just like, yeah, this is just a homemade advert by two plumbers who aren't filmmakers. This has raised my confidence a lot in this. If this is the humour of the movie, then I'm all up for it. I wonder if the phone number works. I know the website works. If you go to the website, it works. The phone number does work. I know it Charlie Day as a message in Characters Luigi. You know, get back to us or visit us on the website and we'll book you in or whatever. I think Charlie Day's Luigi's leaves a message if you phone it up. Yeah, they won't put a number in and then that'd be fake. Because you know people are going to ring a number that if you put on the screen, somebody will ring it. So they've just recorded a nice little thing. This is an extra fun detail. I'll look it up on YouTube and see if I can put it in the show notes, see if someone's captured it. They probably have. But the website definitely works and it has an old 90s feel to it as in it's a barely functional really blocky looking, almost Yahoo Geosites type website. Yes, I've made it HTML. But it's really charming. It's really lovely. This has definitely raised my expectation for the Mario movie. I'm still not sure about Chris Pratt in the role. It'll be fine. Chris Pratt, just the least Mario person you've ever seen. There's better people, but there's probably worse people they could have picked. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Chris Pratt, we have a full trailer, final trailer possibly. There'll probably be another one actually, it's like three months away. But for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, what do you think of this trailer? This looks pretty great. I wasn't a big fan of the first trailer, the one where they visit the neighbourhood. Where Drax hits a child in the face with a ball. Yeah, so I watched that once, I was like, okay, it's Guardians movie, so it's going to be a bit goofy. But this looks more, this one's the drama trailer. So... It's more intriguing. There's an awful lot of screaming and anguish and potentially dead people being carried around. And we get Golden Boy. I can't remember his name. Who's the Golden Boy? What's he called? Adam Warlock. We get the High Evolutionary. A bit more of Rocket Raccoon's Otter Friend. I know the spacesuits are inspired by 2001. But as a big Lego fan, I like to think it's the... Like in the Lego movie, was it Benny the Spaceman? They just have the one colour... <laughs> primary colour astronaut suit. I'm going to go with this. Unconfirmed, but James Gunn probably had a Lego space set when he was a kid. And he was like, I want to use these big, colourful spacesuits. I think they're inspired by costumes the Guardians wore in the comics as well. Yeah, maybe. But I'm going to say it's a Lego thing. <laughs> I've not asked him. Well, I did. I asked him, but he didn't reply. <laughs> so yeah, I have no confirmation of this, but if anyone asks me, I'll be like, did you know that's based on Lego? It's going to lie to everybody. The high evolutionary is a character that could be really interesting yeah he does look a little bit like stoic marvel villain i should really expand that's just a stoic superhero movie villain where they're cold or callous scientist type guys it's not a character i know much about and i think the trailer we get that he's not perfectionist but the high evolutionary sort of creating in his mind other superior beings and stuff of all the elements of this trailer that's one of the ones where i kind of glossed over that i don't know much about this guy it should be a good villain to be involved but i haven't really thought much about it yeah, and Adam Warlock, I don't know, he could just be another generic, most powerful being in the universe type. Yeah, was he created to look after the Infinity Stones in the comics? Is that his gig? I think so. It's been a while since I've read anything that Adam Warlock's in, but he's hugely powerful. He probably should be in a Captain Marvel movie, to be honest, but then it would just be two invincible people firing different coloured lasers at each other. Yeah, he's... Kind of like the Sentry. I know the Sentry is essentially a Superman. I think he's just another Superman. Or Hyperion, who the Thunderbolts might be fighting. That's not going to be a very short film. <laughs> no, no, there'll be reasons that they don't just kill everybody immediately. Or maybe there won't be. Who knows? Maybe there won't be. We probably talked about this earlier in the episode that we haven't recorded yet, because time travel. But I have concerns about this after Ant-Man, because I thought Ant-Man was just really bad. And... 
don't know that I can trust that the Marvel stuff coming up is going to be of much use to anybody. This could be the exception because it's James Gunn and they probably left him alone after firing him and said to him, yeah, just make your film, whatever. I don't want to be in the mindset of going in expecting not to like them because at that point I just will stop altogether. I've not watched Ant-Man and I probably won't catch up because I wasn't really in a rush to watch it and I didn't really like the second one. But for example, upcoming the Marvels, upcoming... Say Guardians looks good. As long as they look good, I'll go in and expect them to be good. But I'm aware that the current trend is that, say, Ant-Man was the second of the rotten ones. It might just be a natural cause of... There's been like 30 Marvel movies and people are sort of slowing down on them. The bubble's bursting or whatever. I think these movies are just going to become not as event as they were around Phase 3. I was sort of trying to... I've probably said this earlier as well, but I'll repeat myself slash... Haven't said this yet, so haven't repeated myself yet. Time travel. I think for me, the reason that Ant-Man annoyed me as much as it did is a cumulative effect, as in they've kind of been mediocre for a little while now. Then Ant-Man comes out and it's bad. And I'm just thinking, are Marvel films going to be any better than just fine after this point? I think back to the earlier phases where you'd come out of them and think, wow, that was incredible. Stuff like your Winter Soldiers or the Avengers or whatever you come out of those and you think yeah that was a really good experience i think yeah, it's a diminishing returns thing i'm sure there will be an absolute cracking great marvel movie there were talented people working on the movies we've probably discussed this in the past slash future time travel about the disney plus series the plan to tone down what they're putting out to focus on this wasn't the said but i think the sort of the implication or the thought behind it is quality of the quantity in the future phases. It's always a little disheartening when you're really invested in such a, a giant, especially like this franchise is massive. And they're kind of just sort of like, yeah, like Doctor Strange is pretty bad and it's not great and I wouldn't watch this again. And yeah, if it gets to a point where you're forcing yourself to watch the Marvel movies, like I guess I have to go watch this, then yeah, I probably just don't watch them. But for now, there's still hope in some of these. Some of these are still looking really good. And James Gunn, he certainly got the clout where... He doesn't really put foot wrong, especially in superhero genres. He probably wants to leave this team with a big finish, a really good send-off for the Guardian. So I'm pretty confident that this will be a bit of a shinier diamond in the bag than what we've currently had. You certainly can't sense the same level of studio interference that you can feel on some of the other things with his Guardians movies, that's for sure. Yeah, it doesn't feel as you put your final polish on it, but we've kind of done it that some of them have. It yeah. feels very much like, no, this is James Gunn from the ground up sort of movie as opposed to some of the other ones where it's a bit more formulaic-ish feeling or consistent palette feeling and stuff. Obviously, there will be some push and pull because that's just the way franchise and studio filmmaking works. The director never gets fully their own way, but you feel it less with the Guardians movies. Yeah, I think it also helps that they are very much outside of the Marvel soap opera. The Earthbound stuff is very much more interconnected whereas the guardians is galaxies away so i think it also helps it feels separate to the ongoing thing which i think allows a bit more of a, a looser hold on what they can and can't do because the actions of the guardians won't for example affect what's happening with captain america or avengers and stuff it feels like you've got a bit more freedom to either blow up a couple of people or planets that none of the other stories are relying on or got plans for or got other things that they'll be involved with and stuff so might be a bit of that too. Yeah, fair enough. I do think Kevin Feige needs to maybe appoint more people to oversee these things because he's clearly spread a bit too thin and we're starting to, well, maybe not starting to, but we're definitely seeing a decline in quality overall. Yeah. Also, they must be tired. 
like I say, he's had a good run. The fatigue could be hitting him too. He has the power to hire people though. He could fix this quite easily. Yeah, I think that is a good idea to get other people with other visions to oversee the whole thing. Then we'll have James Gunn doing the DC Universe, which could be interesting. Yeah. Which takes us neatly on to our final trailer for this round of Super Bowl stuff, The Flash. I know you have strong feelings about The Flash trailer, so let's hear them. I was thinking about this today. I was, I was trying to work out the percentages of what people are going to watch this for. <laughs> I think it's 60% of the audience want to see Michael Keaton and the 90s Batman. 15 percent want to see the return of Ben Affleck's Batman and the blue suit and he was a very popular Batman during the Zack Snyder stuff and I think people are looking forward to seeing him again 75% yep 25% which is the category that I'm in just really like Man of Steel and I'm absolutely sold on that oh we get Zard back I think I put Supergirl in there as well the Kryptonian stuff and then this is yeah, this is wrapped up in a flash movie that no one wants. <laughs> My old manager, when I worked in a cafe shop in Liverpool, absolutely adored The Flash. He had a Flash tattoo. He was all about The Flash. I think he's going to be cheering on The Flash in the movie theatre, and it'll be just him. Because I think The Flash is just holding the film together. I think if this had happened any later, they probably could have made this not a Flash film. They could have taken the idea and been like, maybe Superman goes back in time and <laughs> does this. Also, yeah, I do think, so obviously, Ezra Miller has been in the news a lot. They're having a spiral and they're doing a lot of things, not things that we should really be immediately forgiving them for, but don't put vulnerable people in blockbuster movies. They've caused crimes. They are obviously going to be struggling with pills or alcohol. Or I've not looked into it too much. Or kidnapping. Yeah, they're kidnapping. I think they've been selling drugs to people. They're destructive. This kind of feels like if Ezra Miller dies this year, that's what Hollywood is doing to them. They're just putting them in too much stuff not allowing them to fix themselves and then make amends for the stuff they've done and face the consequences of the stuff they've done. They're just like, no, we're going to burn through this person, use them for their things, and then they're not going to keep Ezra in the DCU and they're just going to probably not chuck him aside. But anyway, Batman looks fun. <laughs> it's a difficult one because obviously the Ezra Miller situation is not good for the film really. But if you think about it, 90% of your audience probably who watch this film won't know any of this. They will just go in and they'll watch it and they won't know anything about what's going on in the background. So it's probably not as big a deal as you might think. Maybe. I'm not sure how aware the problematic stuff is. It's like I keep saying, Twitter is not real life. Probably generously 1% of the global population is on Twitter. Yeah, not many people on Twitter. But also when you're marketing this on people with a close connection to other DC stuff, they probably will know. If your target audience is people who remember the 90s Batman, people who liked the Ben Affleck, people who liked Kryptonian stuff, Man of Steel, they'll be in the loop. Because this film doesn't look like it's fun for casual viewers because it's referencing three different already existing characters. And Supergirl as well, but I'm sort of putting her in. It's the Henry Cavill Krypton. It's still Michael Shannon as Zod. Yeah, it's the Snyderverse. Yeah, she's still from that Snyderverse Krypton. This isn't going to be targeted for... It's a blockbuster, come and see it. I mean, obviously, yeah, people go see thingies and a big portion of the audience isn't going to be the hardcore fans and everything but a lot of this trailer is relying heavily on nostalgia and love for these pre-existing things so i think if you're a big fan of the snyder movies or batman stuff and then you've watched the new dc stuff the ezra miller stuff they'll be aware of it well some of the audience certainly will if there's a later plan i would not have been surprised if the flashpoint story was just given to aquaman <laughs> something <laughs> because this has been in the works for forever Ezra Miller was announced as being cast in the role the same day 
that the Flash TV show premiered in 2014. Yeah, it's 10 years old. <laughs> Almost. Eight years, yeah. Eight years of the Flash TV show. The film will end and Ezra Miller will be replaced by Grant Gustin, this alternate reality where he's been the Flash for eight years instead of not being the Flash for eight years. But in terms of what we do get in the trailer, if we focus on the actual trailer and not the world around it, the big thing that everyone's been taking away of this is Michael Keaton Batman. If we start there... Because that's the big thing. We didn't think we were going to get any Michael Keaton Batman after Batgirl was cancelled and there was rumours of them heavily recutting the Flash to remove them. But we're getting them. Yeah. I'm not that into it. And I say, for example, they have the room of the different bat suits. It's not like in Spider-Man No Way Home where the other two Spider-Men don't talk about other things they've done outside of the movies. This Batman has been doing missions. But why is he wearing that solid plastic nighty suit? That'd be the first thing you'd upgrade but he's still going around in this unmovable can't turn his head old <laughs> bat suit which obviously makes sense for the audience but if this guy's been fighting crime for like 50 years he just never updated his bat suit to be able to turn his head he just never found a flexible armor design <laughs> he just never found one yeah he never found a better armor design than just a massive heavy rubber thing <laughs> i have a lot of thoughts on that myself we've both seen the michael keaton batman movies haven't we we watched them when we lived together at one point. Both then and before, yeah. Yeah, I've seen them tons of times. I like Michael Keaton as Batman. And then the thing is, in this trailer, they've removed one of the most definable things about him. Part of what made him who he was was the way he moved. Because he was in this restrictive suit and they managed to turn it into a bit of a character thing, as in whenever he enters a fist fight, it's over in seconds because he set it up so that he knows he can win in like one or two punches. It's kind of like Darth Vader. He's not agile he's just unstoppable he just puts his arms up and everything's kind of planned ahead he's got his grapples and smoke and stuff and it's works with his surrounding areas just to overpower immediately Batman returns where there's the red triangle clown gang member who's got the nunchucks and he just kicks him with the ball yeah. <laughs> he's still batman he's got all the martial arts skills but he's very direct in what he does yeah, and the thing is, that's character, right? That's a character flourish. That's part of who he is. In the same way that Christian Bale's Batman was the guy in the shadows that pulled people into the shadows and terrified them. That's just his take. That's the way he operates. And then in this trailer, you've got him flying about and doing... Yeah, doing gymnastics. Doing gymnastics and loopy loops. And... It went very jarring from, Michael Keaton is not de-aged in this, he is Michael Keaton of today. And he says, I'm Batman. And then it looks like they just thrown a mannequin... <laughs> This Batsuit mannequin just flies off. I'm still Batman, somehow. They're doing the machine gun strobe lighting from the Robert Pattinson, the Batman. It's a little embarrassing. It's a little bit like in The Simpsons when Mill has is replaced by Fallout Boy and it's the guy going, Jiminy <laughs> Jellicas. Yeah. You don't have to do this, Michael Keaton. It's fine. Yeah, you can go make films where you're a morally questionable guy that rips off the McDonald's brothers and makes the McDonald's chain as we know it today. Do stuff like that. I mean, he must be having lots of fun because he's really gone back into this with Vulture and stuff. And Birdman, of course, which is a direct riff on his career as Batman, isn't it? There's something about it. This doesn't fill me with joy. This just feels a bit upsetting. <laughs> well, back to the movement thing. It sort of misses the point of the character if you don't include that, because that, like I said, that's part of who he is. I equate that to the use of the Iron Giant in Ready Player One, as in it's not really the Iron Giant. Obviously, it's a representation of it, but the whole point of the Iron Giant is that it's a weapon that doesn't want to be a weapon. And when you strip that away, you lose the substance. So it's just a thing that's on screen. And that seems to be what's happening here. Yeah, it's the visual nostalgia, but it's not any deeper. Yeah, and then if you compare that to Spider-Man No Way Home, where they actually gave the old Spider-Men and the villains, broadly speaking, something to do, 
They had a purpose for being there. There was a story built around them. And fair dues, we haven't seen the film here. There could be a great story that involves a Michael Keaton Batman, but I'm not enthusiastic about what I've seen of him in this trailer. Obviously, it's worked because a lot of people are very excited now, but it's nothing I'm looking forward to. Did you hear the rumour that Ben Affleck's going to be replaced with George Clooney when Barry gets back to the present day? It will be George Clooney instead of Ben Affleck. Why don't you just hire a new person? Yeah, I'm pretty sure George Clooney doesn't want to go back there. That would not be good. Batman and Robin's fine. It's goofy. Yeah, it's a comedy. Do a new thing. The film does look like it's borrowing some beats from the Flashpoint story. You see the Batarang in the lightning storm attached to a rope or something. It looks like that might be them trying to recreate the accident that gives Barry's powers. Oh yeah, because there's the Flash and then in this universe where there's no metahumans, there's also just Barry, who is as fast as human Ezra Miller is fast. <laughs> but we do then see either that one or another Flash. They do the thing where they're running around. They touch feet. They put their shoes together before they go beat up Kryptonians, I think. Yeah, well you see the Flash punching Zod in the face really fast, or punching a Kryptonian in the face. It looks like it's in the middle of there's those weird fish ship things from Man of Steel seem to be flying around in the background as well. One of the notes I have is, no Clark means Zod takes over, but how is he there in the first place? Because he was only there because Clark triggered a signal that directed him to Earth. Yeah, they appear to have Supergirl in a prison that they have to break her out of. I'm going to assume that in Man of Steel they find the fortress, the ship, the fortress of solitude that he's using. But it's Clark activating it that sends out the signal. Yeah, so they could easily make it where someone else just activates it. Yeah, they could. We've just been dicking around with it and we've managed to get it working and we've sent out a signal inadvertently. It also wouldn't surprise me if they don't cover it in any way. It's just this universe. It just shows up. Zod is here for some reason and we're not going to go into it. Yeah, it could just be there. Because who cares about plot? We don't need plot. Here's more nostalgic stuff, whatever. The Supergirl thing, that looks like what they did with Superman in Flashpoint as well. Yeah, I've not read Flashpoint, but is that the thing where they just keep underground in a red sun? Keep him underground, and he's all emaciated because he's had no sunlight. Yeah, they just depowered them and stuff. Kara's wearing a similar sort of raggy outfit. I'd be happy to keep this Supergirl. Obviously, we're going into a reboot DCU, but I think it makes sense to keep, I'm not sure the actress's name. Sasha Kelly or Cal, yeah. whichever it is. If you're introducing Supergirl in this, you might as well keep Supergirl going forward. I suppose it depends if people like her. And I think people have responded positively to her in the trailer. But she doesn't really do anything other than super stuff. Yeah, she hasn't got a huge role in the trailer other than she does a bit of flying around and... Punches people. And she's approaching Zod with a cape all floating and super Kryptonian and stuff. She flies next to the Batplane as well. So, yeah, we're not really seeing her do anything, but there's definitely going to be a Supergirl movie coming out. So it'd be sensible to keep her instead of recasting again. Oh yeah, if the audience responds positively to her in the film itself, then there's no point in ditching her. Yeah. And it looks like she's going to be a darkish character, and it seems like that Supergirl story is a dark story. Yeah, she's not got much mercy in the comics, so that sort of fits what this one looks like. Have you seen the rumour that she might be Zod's daughter, because she's not blonde? Yeah, maybe. Maybe that could be a thing, if they're trying to find a reason for Zod to come. It could be on a daughter rescue mission. <laughs> Cousins don't have to have the same colour hair. Yeah, the hair colour doesn't really matter. Superman's not blonde. If anything, it's more close to her to have the same colour hair as Superman. Not so you can dye your hair. Yeah. Maybe she'll just dye hair. Can Kryptonians dye their hair? Does it take? I don't know. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they use special Krypton dye. There was a lot floating around when Supergirl started, because in the show she has pierced ears. <gasps> oh, I thought of something really stupid, but I'll let you finish your thing. 
People are like, how can she have pierced ears? She's invincible. And then I think the showrunner came out and said, she got them done on Krypton before she left. <laughs> and if you look at any flashback, the young actress playing Kara has earrings in. Yeah, okay. My super dumb idea, which I would not be surprised if they put this in a superhero movie, is that her hair is dark because she's been in prison under the red sun. But when she flies out into open sky and she gets powered by the sun, her hair turns blonde. Oh, God. Because <laughs> it's sun energy. Is yellow. She ends up going super saiyan. That's dumb, but if that happened in the movie, I'd be like, that could happen in the movie. What else is in the trailer? Quite a lot, but also not a lot. Blue Batman. That's nice. A blue and grey Batman suit, because apparently that's great by itself. Sure. I certainly noticed it, so that's good. Until the visual, I've seen that before trailer. I've seen that before, and I was like, oh, <laughs> that's new. Ben Affleck on a bike. Yeah, potentially a third Batman. There's a bit where... It's very clearly Ben Affleck's Batman, and it cuts to a simpler Batman suit. Similar to the Ben Affleck suit, but much simpler. And I think some people are speculating, is this a third Batman? But it could also just be a CGI thing. It's moving fast, so they don't have to put all the rivets and bits in. God, who could the third Batman be? I mean, this is clearly the Batman movie starring Flash. So he might want to put as many Batman as in as they can. Why don't they just cut to the chase and do Batman No Way Home? Just with all the cinematic Batman actors turning up and working together, fighting all the living jokers. Jared Lee Owen, Jack Nicholson, Owen Barry, Cohen. And Mark Hamill, I guess. Oh, Mark Hamill, I guess. You could put Mark Hamill in Joker makeup and then that'd be fine. I won't be surprised. Again, with this movie, trying to do as much as it can. Joaquin Phoenix, throw him in, because why not? Oh yeah, they put Joaquin Phoenix in. If they put Mark Hamill in this movie as a Joker, <laughs> be like, look. It's not the Flash. Look at this. <laughs> we were starting to worry if you were getting bored by all the Flash content in here, so we decided to put more nonsense in. Yeah. I feel like I will see this. Yeah, I think it has to be seen. More out of curiosity. But again, when you were saying about Ant-Man tricking everyone into thinking it's a must-see movie, this probably isn't a must-see movie, but I'm not interested or excited to see how they do it, but I'm kind of curious, like, what's this going to be? I'll definitely see it. That's a given. But yeah. based on this, I'm not that excited. I'm just kind of getting bored of all this nostalgia crap. Yeah, I'm not happy with this direction of just bring back whoever's been this character before. It's much less interesting. What are people 30 years from now going to be nostalgic about? Those movies that were nostalgic about the movies that were 30 years before then? Bluey. <laughs> <laughs> Bluey No Way Home. It's just bring Bluey back. Well, I'm really nostalgic about The Flash that had Michael Keaton in it from 30 years prior going to be great I remember my dad being super excited about this <laughs> this kids movie that I had to go to did you see the nonsense that's kicking about online about people wanting the Snyderverse to be sold to Netflix even though Netflix have expressed no interest and Zack Snyder has expressed no interest I hope that when Zack Snyder does his Star Wars ish thing people will stop talking about the Snyderverse <laughs> never he obviously doesn't want to do it it's just People who are very connected to that specific style, that specific go at the era. But hopefully when he makes his space saga for Netflix, they all just shift to that and we can stop talking about the Snyderverse. No, no, it's only just beginning. Well, they'll always be vocal and I'll always never listen. <laughs> Anything else on the Flash trailer? No, I think that's it. Okay, shall we cut back to ourselves in the future? Yeah, let's return to our past selves in the future. Yeah, let's do that. Well, that was us again. It was us talking, but we already had the conversation. How weird was that? Yes, well, handy. Usually in these, I run out of steam quite quickly and I get very tired towards the end. Because usually we do it in a block. We just do it in one go. But doing it in two goes, it's very refreshing. So I still feel like I've got more to say. Bit of inside baseball for all you listeners there and how we put this show together. Or inside Super Bowl. Inside Super Bowl. Inside whatever game they play at the Super Bowl. American football? Is that what they play? I don't know. 
I do know. I'm just trying to sound aloof. Yeah, we had a recording half time to do the prep talks and refresh, and now we're back to talk about just general news and things. Let's move on to our next round of stuff. Let's start with one of the pillars. We only have one pillar this week. There's only one pillar holding the podcast up. It's Marvel. <laughs> the very fragile roof of this podcast. Everyone else has been pretty quiet. DC dropped a lot of stuff last month, so they've been quiet. Other than the fact the Aquaman sequel did test screenings and everybody hated it, apparently. So, of course, Warner Brothers are going to be benching it like they did with Batgirl, aren't they? Yeah, of course they are. He's fine. He'll be Lobo. It's fine. <laughs> this is just test to get through it so he could be Lobo later on. Yeah, but test audiences supposedly hated Batgirl and they had to get rid of that. But if Aquaman is as bad as people are saying, surely by the same logic they have to get rid of that too. Yeah, that's a lot has to happen. Somehow I don't think it'll happen. Maybe you'll get one film out this year. Well, Shazam is already coming out. I have my ticket. Yeah, that's on the way. Yeah, one DC film. Maybe it's good. Who knows? Anyway, Marvel, what are they up to? Kevin Feige gave a bit of an update on the current state of things. He talks about Spider-Man 4 and some other things, but we'll start with Spider-Man 4. All I will say is we have the story Feige said about Holland's anticipated Spider-Man return. We have big ideas for that and our writers are just putting pen to paper now. Whether Holland will once again team up with Spider-Man actors Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield remains to be seen. Both actors have expressed interest in returning for a new Spider-Man movie. I'd kind of rather that the triple Spider-Man team up was its own little special event that doesn't need to happen again. Yeah, that won't happen again. It sounds like Spider-Man 4 is a long way off, but I'm assuming it's just going to be Peter Parker doing a thing. We've had the home trilogy, the sort of loose trilogy of the first three, and now it's just going to be him, sort of like a Sam Raimi Spider-Man 1. He's just going to have a little apartment and he's just going to be doing just Spider-Man stuff, I think. I think that's what's the next step. It'll be a shame if we don't have Zendaya and Ned, the actor who plays Ned in it. It'll be a shame if we don't have them back. Yeah, it could be, but there's also space for Gwen Stacy in this world or another evolution in this thingy or felicia hardy the black cat yeah that could be that's the thing they haven't done yet but this sounds like it's a very long way away yes well one of the things is marvel are cutting back kevin feige has finally listened to the fact that the onslaught of stuff is too much for people and the thing is the disney plus shows in particular they never had any time to bed in because the one would finish and then a couple of weeks later it feels like something else would come along So you'd be forgetting about this thing that you're supposed to maybe think about for a while. So the plan is to slow it down and to do that with the movies as well. So we're maybe only going to get a couple of movies a year and a couple of shows a year. That's definitely sensible because that's why I stopped. I tried with the first few and I was like, there's too many and things have a natural sort of life. You know, Marvel movies used to be the event movie that's coming out. Is it out constantly? And if there's also TV stuff constantly, then it lessens its impact. And also people feel like they can't catch up because they haven't seen everything to stay on top. So... Yeah, I think limiting what they're doing is an important step for them to go ahead. So, yeah, this is good news. They've lost that event status, I think. Yeah. And scaling back, I never thought I'd say it, but I'm okay with that. And I think Kevin Feige is starting to understand that the quality is dipped and people are starting to notice, which means they need to rethink. That's why I think the Marvels was delayed. I think they delayed it to fix it. Whether that will fix anything, we don't know. Yeah definitely good news i think it was harming the brand to have a million things feige also confirmed that deadpool 3 will be the first r-rated movie in this marvel cinematic universe something he's confirmed before disney would not make deadpool a family-friendly movie after the studio acquired fox blah blah and hugh jackman's back also i'll just skip to this bit of news emma corrin has been cast as the villain in deadpool 3 she was in the crown it's not said what she's going to be playing unknown other than the villain yeah and this is out is it 2025 or late 2024? Still got quite a way to go yet. And it might even be later than that now because of scaling back. Yeah. 
who does she play in The Crown? I don't know. I saw like some of the first series of The Crown, but I'm not sure for what era of The Crown it is. Oh, she's Diana. She's Princess oh, Diana. Oh, okay, yeah. So that's in the Olivia Colman series of The Crown. Feige also confirmed that Mahershala Ali Blade movie will be filming this year after they said to throw out the script and get a new one and throw out the director and get a new one. He claims it's going well. The director is down in Atlanta right now. Cameras roll like in the next 10 weeks or so, he said. Harrison Ford's Thaddeus Ross taking over for William Hurt will be the president. Harrison Ford's the president again. I'm sure he'll be telling someone to get off his plane. Yeah. Maybe so he can just sort of sit down and doesn't have to do too much. He'll just sit in his office for most of the movie. <laughs> and that's basically it. There's also other rumours that are kicking about, such as maybe splitting the two Avengers movies into two films which may make sense. I don't know. The thing is, I think after Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, even though I like that film, the fact that the writer that's writing one of the Avengers movies is, is putting some people off because that film didn't really go down well with a lot of people. I think Marvel are in a bit of trouble at the moment. They need to really recalibrate and they need to concentrate on quality because even I'm getting sick of it. When I'm getting sick of it, that tells you a lot. Yeah, it's a sort of troubled point. So I think this correction is a, a wise thing. I'm sure they can get back to a good spot they need to give the creatives time to actually do something instead of churning them out because it's it's a bit of an assembly line thing isn't it and usually when you just do things in an assembly line thing the quality does suffer because they're not really spending much time on each individual project and i feel like kevin feige probably should be appointing people to oversee things because i think he's far too strung out far too close to it and therefore just kind of rushing everything yeah i think also people expected to see the x-men and that turn up after they bought fox and i'll for people are sort of holding out for the things they've wanted to see for a bit, like Fantastic Four and X-Men. It's going to come in quite late, and they've announced a lot going forward that isn't that stuff. But I think people are sort of like, get to the new thing, please. Yeah, but let's take our time. Let's do it right. Let's make it good again, and let's make it visually interesting again, because I've been sort of missing that with Marvel films. I've not been wanting to crap on the special effects as much as some people did, but I randomly watched clips of older films recently, and I think there was one doing the rounds on Twitter about how the end of Captain America, the first Avenger, is just so visually interesting. Oh yeah, it is in modern day. Yeah, when he breaks out of the fiction that he's put in to acclimatise himself, and he runs into modern Times Square and it's like, these things used to look really good. And then it's just, oh, yeah, just stick them in front of green screen, whatever, we'll sort it later. Shame that way, really. Yeah. It says everything when it was a novelty that Chloe Zhao actually filmed on location during Eternals. Yeah, it's in a bit of a thing, but hopefully they get back to a bit more of a audience pull again. Yeah. Anyway, Marvel's next thing, it's not really them, well, it's not an MCU thing anyway, but it's a Spider-Man thing. Spider-Man Noir live-action series is in the works at Amazon. The untitled series will follow an older, grizzled superhero in 30s New York City. An individual with knowledge of the project says the show will be set in its own universe and the main character will not be Peter Parker. What do you think about that? I don't have too much thoughts about it, to be honest. I'm only aware of him in the Spider-Verse movie. And it's one of these things, when they announce different projects, different TV things, I can wait to see what it actually is. I don't really think too much about what style it's going to be in or what thing is going to be. Amazon are doing the Silk series as well, so it seems like they've cut some kind of deal with Sony to do some random Spider-Man related projects. Yeah, especially with Spider-Man. There's a million different ones on the go all the time, and some of them don't come to fruition, and some of them disappear or people stop talking about them. So now when they announce Spider-Man stuff, I'm like, okay, we'll see if this comes a thing or not. The showrunner will be Oren Uziel. He developed the show along with Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Whenever their names are on things, it tends to be encouraging because they're really good they did spider-verse amy pascal of course will executive produce because she can't get away from these things 
He most recently worked on the screenplay for the romantic comedy feature The Lost City with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum in it. I thought it was fine. He also wrote 22 Jump Street, which I haven't seen, and the Mortal Kombat movie that was out in 2021, which was awful. Also, The Cloverfield Paradox, which is awful. And he worked on the scripts for John Wick 4 and Borderlands, which is another upcoming video game thing. So a mixed bag of content this guy has been involved in. Yeah. It could be interesting. A non-Peter Parker Spider-Man in 30s New York. One thing I wonder about is, is he just going to go by the spider or something like that? And he's just going to be a detective or will he actually have powers? I'm assuming he'll have powers. Otherwise, yeah, it's just another thing. Essentially, it's just the question, the DC character, otherwise. Yeah, I think he'll still be able to do web swinging and yeah. stealth. We'll see. Moving on, this is one I forgot about last month. It was on the list and I just didn't cover it for some reason. Did you ever watch Biker Mice from Mars in your youth? No. I'm aware of it, but I never saw it. I remember watching it when I was a kid, but they're bringing it back, unsurprisingly. The studio behind hit Netflix shows like The Toys That Made Us and The Movies That Made Us has attained the rights to the property and has sizable plans for it in the coming months. They're going to push out a new toy line featuring the characters with plans to redevelop another animated series nearly 30 years after the original property aired its final episodes. So basically, toys plus an animated show to help sell toys. The original Biker Rice from Mars debuted in 1993 featuring three anthropomorphic mice I usually can't say that word. I'm really proud of myself. Who couldn't be separated from their motorcycles and other toys. The three main characters were voiced by Rob Paulson, Dorian Harewood and Ian Ziering. On the planet Mars, there existed a race of anthropomorphic mice who enjoyed motorsports and had a very similar culture and society to that of human beings. Eventually, they were all but wiped out by the Plutarchians, an alien race of obese, foul-smelling, worm-eating, fish-like humanoids who plunder other planets for their natural resources. Three survivors... Throttle, Modo and Vinny, Vin Diesel, managed to find a spaceship and escape the Plutarchian takeover. But instead, they soon find themselves crash landing on Earth in the city of Chicago, along with a charming female mechanic named Charlene Charlie Davidson. <laughs> See what they did there? The biker mice must defend Earth and defeat the villainous Plutarchians in an attempt to finally return to their homeland of Mars. Okay. So when's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover happening? Did they get to Mars at the end of the original run? Don't know. It's the answer. Could be fun. Probably not for us, to be honest. Or maybe it is because it's 30 years ago. Nostalgia again. Yeah, but I'm sure kids will like it. Seems like an easy, cool thing. Yeah, I suppose. Moving on. Disney. Did you know that they've announced some sequels? After the old CEO took over from the newer CEO and said they were going to put power back in the hands of creatives and concentrate on delivering new things. They then announced sequels to Toy Story, Frozen and Zootopia or Zootropolis in the UK. Really going there with the original IP, aren't you? One of these is a good idea. One's okay, sure, and one's bad. Which is which? Frozen 3, I think quite a good idea. I enjoyed Frozen 2. I remember seeing more Frozen stuff. I can't remember Frozen 2. I liked it, but I don't remember it. The idea of a Toy Story 5 is awful. It's bonkers, isn't it? And yeah, sure. Zootopia 2. More animals doing stuff in a city. Was there not a Zootopia series? There was going to be. Maybe they just made the series into a film. Maybe. I don't know if they ever released it or not. Yeah, Toy Story 5. I didn't mind 4, but also recognised that it wasn't needed. I remember not liking it. I remember being like, that's bad, but I don't remember anything else about it. The film ends with, spoiler alert, Woody deciding to be a lost toy. I remember that much. Yeah. And Tim Allen tweeted about Toy Story 5. He's like, yeah, I'm in this. Don't worry, I'll, I'll be in this. <laughs> if anybody was worried about whether Tim Allen would be reprising the role. Yeah. The thing is with Toy Story, and I said this about the fourth one, I don't know what story there is now. I feel like 3 was the perfect ending. 
And I was okay with the little shorts they were making now and again. Yeah, I think that's gone a bit too far with that. I don't think there's a good justifiable reason to another one. No. Frozen 3, I wish I could remember more about Frozen 2. I should rewatch it. It's very fun. I think there's more elements of, like, so we've seen the kingdom there from, but there's a sense there's different kingdoms and different worlds, because that one, they go to the Enchanted Forest as opposed to the first one, and there's places you can go with that world. The last one had something to do with the elementals, didn't it? Yeah. Also, it was the ice element and something else. I can't remember. I wouldn't mind a Frozen 3. That should be fun. And Zootopia was great. Yeah, that one's easy enough. It's just a big city of animals, so yeah, you can do whatever in that one. One of the few tolerable Jason Bateman things. Was he the fart? Yeah, he's the voice of the fart. Yeah, I remember there being an announcement of a series which didn't seem to. So I wouldn't be surprised if they just made a movie out of it instead. Yeah, Lightyear massively underperformed. So I guess they want to just go back to basics. I quite like Lightyear, but advertising it as the film that Andy would have watched is just nonsense. It doesn't work because where are all the other toys associated with the Lightyear film that everybody would want? Yeah, I didn't see it. Fair enough. You're probably not missing too much. It's okay. No one's clamouring for Lightyear 2. <laughs> yeah. So that's that. More Disney sequels that we probably don't need. Okay, let's move on. Zach Galifianakis is going to be starring in the Lilo and Stitch live action movie. Cat loves the animated film. I have never seen it, but it's a live action remake. I remember it, but not very well. Dean Fleischer Camp, the guy who made the best animated feature Oscar nominee Marcel the Shell with shoes on, is going to be directing it. And it's going to be a Disney Plus only release. The Hawaii-centric story tells of the bond formed between a lonely human girl named Lilo, or Lilo, I don't know which, and a dog-like alien named Stitch, who was genetically engineered to be a force of destruction. With nosy social workers and pursuing aliens banging on the door, the two bond over a shared sense of family and win the day. And Elvis, I think, was the thing about Stitch, he was Elvis-obsessed. Maybe? I don't remember. It was a very long time ago. To be honest, it's a Disney live-action remake. It's probably going to be crap. Yeah. Let's face it. Well, you know, whatever. They're making it. Zach Galifianakis, he's quite funny and I quite like him in kids' films as well. The film that Angus always jokes about, G-Force, he's in that, which is Secret Agent Guinea Pigs. No, yeah, he's pretty funny, so yeah, I'd see him in stuff. Yeah, okay. Pokemon. I don't know how much you care about Pokemon, but we're talking about it anyway. Pokemon reveals Captain Pikachu, star of the new post-Ash Ketchum TV show. In case you haven't been following, Pokemon is ditching its 10-year-old protagonist, Ash Ketchum which gave birth to that beautiful meme about Ash Ketchum is now a 10-year-old with 25 years of experience, also known as what every employer wants. Yeah. So he's leaving the show and he's going to be replaced by some new characters. Pikachu is going to be an outbit. It's a new Pikachu, Captain Pikachu. The only difference between this Pikachu and Ash's Pikachu is this one wears a hat, hence the captain. He's got a new hat. Pikachu has a new hat. I imagine he'll have a different personality and stuff. Yeah. He's the partner Pokemon of another new character, a silver-haired chap named Freed. I'm guessing that's how you pronounce it. Captain Pikachu and Freed will accompany the series' new dual protagonists on their adventures. But let's be real here for a moment. Captain Pikachu is going to be the star. Pikachu, he has a new hat. Yep. So that's fun. Don't know much about Pokemon, but I'm sure this is good news for people. I got Pokemon Scarlet on the Switch and really enjoyed it. I played Pokemon Yellow on the Game Boy Color. Yeah, that was a while ago. That was the last Pokemon game I played. To be fair, before I got Scarlet, that was among the last Pokemon games I played. That's when I was super into it. I actually entered a local tournament back home with Pokemon Yellow with my team and I won it. I won a certificate and a voucher for, I think it was game, either game or HMV. But I wasn't in it for the money. I was in it for embarrassing other players. Yeah. 
with my really good team. Netflix have also announced a Pokemon series called Pokemon Concierge, just some guy that works in a hotel. Yeah, I saw a post that today with Psyduck. Pokemon Concierge tells the story of Haru, a concierge at the Pokemon Resort, and her interactions with Pokemon and the owners who visit as guests. I was actually joking when I said it's going to be about someone who works in a hotel, but that's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. That's interesting. We'll maybe see how it pans out, but yeah, Pokemon. Pokemon's always doing stuff. There is also something to do with Journey of Dreams, but no one knows what that is. Okey-doke. There's something called Pokemon Journey of Dreams. We'll see. Yeah, keep moving on. Another live action film that we probably don't need. We're getting a How to Train Your Dragon live action oh, adaptation. Oh, that's a shame. Dean DeBlois, I think that's her pronouncing name, is returning to write and direct the newest entry in the franchise. It doesn't say whether this is going to be a remake. It says new entry in the franchise. So is it going to be a sequel? I know, because that's a perfect trilogy. I think just leave it. Yeah, I love the How to Train Your Dragon movies. That's sad news. <laughs> It doesn't really say anything about it, just that they start writing it soon. The fact that it says newest entry in the franchise seems to suggest that it might not be a remake of the first one. I don't know. There's so much of How to Train Your Dragon, isn't there? There's several animated series. I think so, yeah. I've never watched anything outside of the movies. No, I've not watched them either. I know there's a Dragons show that is on at the moment or coming back soon. I don't know anything about it because I'm okay with just the films. But again, it's that thing about here's a franchise and you can engage with it as much or as little as you want to. So for me, it's the three films. Yeah, that's the good stuff. Move on. New Lord of the Rings movies in the works at Warner's New Line. The movies announced Warner Brothers Discovery's investor call comes as CEO David Zaslav seeks to assure Wall Street that Warner's is very much in the franchise game. Here, harking back to the 2000s glory days when the studio was minting money with Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter and the Dark Knight trilogy. So... Stay tuned for an announcement about Harry Potter and some kind of other Batman stuff. Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh said they were aware of the latest development and probably aren't going to be involved. The statement says, We understand how cherished these works are and are working together with our partners at New Line Cinema and Warner Brothers Pictures. We plan to honour the past, look to the future and adhere to the strongest level of quality and production values. They are not interested in a retread of what Jackson had already done. Saw a rumour that it might just be remakes of the actual trilogy. I don't know, I guess we'll have to see what the plan is. The big thing with the Lord of the Rings stuff is the rights are sort of divided. So the Rings of Power are not allowed to touch anything prior to the age that they're set in or anything after yeah they're kind of stuck in that second age so they can't do the silmarillion but if they've reached an agreement here then the silmarillion is probably a logical place to start at least as a story yeah i tried reading the silmarillion and i found it impenetrable you know when you say you can't put a book down i couldn't pick this one up it was just awful i just found it so dry it's like reading a textbook which is what i say about tolkien's prose generally i've read the hobbit was nice but i've not done anything else in that world the Hobbit being the only book-to-film adaptation where you can read the book quicker than you can watch the film. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be the only one. There's short stories and things, but you know, the only novel. Yeah. They'll keep doing Lord of the Rings stuff because they spend a lot of money on it, but whether or not anyone will want any of it. Okay, let's move on from that. The film Plane, which was a nice surprise, is getting a sequel, which it doesn't need. Called Boat or something. And the sequel is going to be called Ship. The Mike Coulter character, he played Luke Cage, but now he's doing this. So that probably means he won't be returning as Luke Cage. Does anybody care? I imagine someone does, but I don't. I'm not looking forward to seeing Marvel screw up Daredevil and they do their new series. But anyway, that's beside the point. Mike Coulter, who plays accused murderer Louis Gaspar in the original film, will headline the new nautical movie, which is aptly titled Ship. And that's it. It'll focus on Coulter's character who escaped in the last one and is going to be in this one. So Jerry Butler's not going to be in this one. Which makes sense, because it's not like the Olympus has fallen 
franchise where he's a secret service guy or whatever he's just a pilot just a guy he did serve in the RAF or something like that in the film so that explains why he can fight and shoot guns and stuff I saw an advert for playing on the side of a bus and then I saw that there was a sequel to it on this list you sent me and it's called Ship this seems silly this seems like a movie that they'd watch in The Simpsons <laughs> I thought Plane was a nice surprise actually you know these mid-budget action films that you used to get almost straight to DVD-esque yeah it looks like that. But some of them would be really good. Yeah. That's one of those. It's actually very good. It's competently made. Okay. As I was watching it, I was thinking, this has no right to be as good as it is. It's unbelievably good. Well, not unbelievably good. I'm not going to give it too much praise. But it's good enough and it hangs together really well. And Effort was put in, which is not what you can say about a lot of things. Jerry Butler's always good in these sorts of things. It loses itself towards the end. But up until that point, I was super into it. Okay. So give it a watch. You might be pleasantly surprised. It's like an hour and 40 minutes long. It's not a big ask of your life and you'll have fun with it. I can almost guarantee it. Okay. The sequel? I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see when ship comes out. When ship sets sail. <laughs> Plane 2 cruise control. We'll see. I don't know if we need more of this, but sure. Maybe the next one will introduce a character that will then spin off into a third film called... Car. Bike. Bus. Bus. Airport bus. It has to be some kind of mass transit thing. So it has to be some like... Bus or train. Big bus. Coach. <laughs> Double-decker. Yeah, double-decker bus. <laughs> That'd be quite interesting, actually. This kind of action film that centres around a bus. There's been speed. <laughs> <laughs> not speed. Bus, not speed. <laughs> so, there we go. Um, actually, okay with this as a concept. I'll probably watch it, but give Plane a watch. If you follow one piece of advice that I ever give you, go watch Plane. I tell. Moving on, we have another Stephen King adaptation. Stephen King's bestseller, Billy Summers, is going to be adapted. The feature project will be produced by J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot and Leonardo DiCaprio's Appian Way. If it comes out great, it could be a project for Abrams to direct with DiCaprio playing the title character. We all know what I think of J.J. Abrams. Yeah. And if you don't, I don't like him. I think he's mediocre at best. This was originally packaged as a 10-episode limited series, shopped around to cable networks and streamers, but the decision was made that Billy Summers would work better as a feature. It's about a hitman called Billy Summers who's looking to retire and takes one last highly lucrative job to feather his nest. The job requires him to embed himself in a quiet town where he pretends to be an aspiring writer. He actually pours himself into the prose, it says in brackets. He sets up in an office with a direct view of where hitman Joel Allen will be delivered to face trial for shooting two men during a poker game. Allen also has committed enough murders for some high-level mobsters to be scared the gunman will incriminate his former employers to lessen his sentence. Summers, a meticulous craftsman, becomes more and more cynical about the mobsters who've hired him, and his scepticism is well warranted as things go awry following the job's completion. That sounds like something that could be really interesting that J.J. Abrams will turn into the most boring thing ever. I don't know much Stephen King stuff, but it sounds Stephen Kingy, a small town, a writer. <laughs> Stephen King story set in a small town. It's almost like that Simpsons joke, isn't it? Where he's pitching something and it's about killer lamp or whatever. It's like, where will you have it? There's another Stephen King thing announced recently. Is there a return to Derry or something set in Derry? The It prequel series has been ordered to series, which I didn't put in this because there's nothing more to say about it. But it's now in the show notes. There you go. But they're making it. Any thoughts on that? Just seems fine. Yeah, sure. Nothing, nothing much to say there. As long as J.J. Abrams doesn't direct it, I might be mildly interested. He's too busy with Superman. Oh, God. No, no, James Gunn's probably going to direct that. Wasn't he making one with Tanahisi Coates? Um, I got lost. No, that's still in development, actually. The Michael B. Jordan one. Yeah. No, I don't think Abrams is involved in that one. I think Tanahisi Coates and Michael B. Jordan are on that one. 
I thought he was involved. Oh, well. Let's hope he isn't. We're back to Vin Diesel again. There's going to be another Riddick film called Riddick Furia. The new film is written directed by David Toy, who teamed up with Vin Diesel on 2000's Pitch Black and continued with two sequels in The Chronicles of Riddick and just Riddick. Diesel will star and produce the new film under his One Race Films banner, alongside Samantha Vincent, who will also produce the film's official description. It finds Riddick finally returning to his home world, a place he barely remembers and one he fears might be left in ruins by the Necromongers. But there he finds other Furians fighting for their existence against a new enemy. And some of these Furians are more like Riddick than he could have ever imagined. I've seen Pitch Black, and I think I might have seen The Chronicles of Riddick, but I'm just not a fan. Yeah, I've not seen any of these. But yeah, as long as he's happy. Vin Diesel needs to revive another franchise to replace the one that's ending. Was this his Dungeons and Dragons thing or something? Isn't this one of his nerdy things that he's made into his passion project? I'm not sure. I think it was based on a comic originally, as most things are. There we go. Vin Diesel, if you like him in the Riddick films, you're getting another one. Yeah. I'm sure there was a video game where Vin Diesel does the voice as well. Well, series that I've really seen any of them. I don't remember them that well, so that tells you everything about what I thought about them. I wasn't a fan. But I'm not a huge Vin Diesel guy anyway. Okay, next up, we're getting a sequel to I Know What You Did Last Summer with the original cast, pretty much. Jennifer Caton Robinson directing, Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince Jr. are in talks to return. Sony had no comment on the project. The original pick follows four young friends bound by a tragic accident who are reunited when they find themselves being stalked by a hook-wielding maniac in their small seaside town. The original was a hit and not only led to a sequel, but also helped launch the careers of Hewitt, Prince, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Ryan Philippe. Plot details for this latest instalment are unknown. There was a sequel and I believe there was a TV series as well. Okay, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. I've seen the first one, and I can't remember if I've seen the second one. The second one, which was, by the way, called I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Uh, I've seen the Simpsons parody. I Know What You Diddly Did Did. Yep. Where Flanders is a werewolf. I think he's a werewolf, yeah. He gets it by a car. Basically, the idea is they run over someone, and they decide to cover it up as friends, and then someone sees what they did and tries to pick them all off. And then the sequel, someone else sees them, I don't know. Can't remember. It's a slasher franchise. <laughs> Can you really say about it? They finished doing the Halloween ones, and I believe this one. Next up, Lionsgate buys Guy Ritchie's World War II movie, Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. It's going to be starring Henry Cavill, Henry Golding, and Isa Gonzalez. Two Henrys on set at once. That's got to be confusing. It's also going to have Alex Pettifer and Carrie Elwes, among others. It's targeting a 2024 wide theatrical release. It's billed as an outrageous true story about UK Prime Minister Winston Churchill and James Bond author Ian Fleming's Secret World War II combat organisation. This clandestine squad unconventionally and entirely ungentlemanly fighting techniques against the Nazis significantly changed the course of the war and gave birth to the modern Black Ops unit. Sure, yeah. Sounds a little bit like the man from Uncle because I was thinking it, but... That could be fun. Yeah, it sounds a bit like that. Also sounds a bit like Inglorious Bastards as well, yeah, in a way. Yeah, it's of a, a ragtag war team. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see Henry Cavill be uh, ungentlemanly. That's true. I was always said he's a good pitch for Bond, and if this is based on a thing where Ian Fleming based Bond off his commanding officer, that could have been the reason they got him. If it is a thing that Ian Fleming was involved in, and he based Bond off real life, then maybe they picked Henry Cavill purposely for that influence. So Henry Cavill could be playing the guy that inspired Bond, or maybe he's playing Ian Fleming himself. Yeah, if he can't be playing Bond, it makes sense for him to play the guy who inspired Bond. <laughs> I think it'd be funny if he played Ian Fleming. don't know much about Ian Fleming. Have you ever heard of the TV show Timeless? No. It's a time travel show starring Abigail Spencer and Matt Lanter, actually the voice of Anakin from Clone Wars. Okay. Basically, it's about 
people that travel back in time and every time they go back in time they change history completely so they come back to a timeline that they're not really familiar with and there's an episode where Ian Fleming's in it they work with him and then they get back to their own time and describe what went on and they get told you've just described this Bond film that they didn't know existed with Sean Connery in it. I like that show. I rewatched it, or say rewatched it. I didn't actually watch season two first time round, so I watched it a couple of months ago. And really enjoyed. Yeah. Okay, move on. Emma Thompson to star in Brian Kirk action thriller The Fisherwoman. In the feature, Thompson is set to play a widowed fisherman who, while trapped in a Minnesotan blizzard, interrupts the kidnapping of a teenager and soon finds she is the young victim's only hope. Brian Kirk's going to direct from a screenplay by Nicholas Jacobson Larson and Dalton Lieb, who have just been tapped to write the Hot Wheels movie for Warner Brothers and Bad Robot. Great. Fun stuff. The Hot Wheels movie. I don't know why I remember this, but someone who was supposed to be overseeing the visual effects on Spider-Man 3 left the project to make Hot Wheels. So they brought someone else in for Spider-Man 3, but Hot Wheels still hasn't happened. It's a weird thing that I remember. Emma Thompson will also exec produce the project. Could this be her taken? Maybe. Does she want to take Well, men of a certain age get to kick ass, so why not women of a certain age? Fair yeah, enough. True. She's thinking, Helen Mirren, she's in these things. She's in yeah. Fast and Furious and Shazam. Why can't I do stuff like this? Why do I always have to play someone's grandmother? I will see. Not actual quotes. This guy is the co-creator of Luther. The director. Okay. So maybe you're a bit more interested in it now. His last feature film was 21 Bridges, which is one of Chadwick Boseman's last films. Oh yeah, I remember that movie. I'm sorry. Yeah. Next up, Andy Samberg and Gene Smart are ex-lovers with a cryogenic twist in rom-com 42.6 years. Andy Samberg will star alongside Gene Smart, fresh off a consecutive Emmy win for Hacks and her appearance in Babylon. Samberg is a young man who undergoes an experimental procedure and is cryogenically frozen. When he awakens 42.6 years later, the only person he is left to turn to is his now much older ex-girlfriend, played by Gene Smart. That could be fun. I like an Andy Samberg thing. Have you seen Palm Springs? Yeah, I really enjoyed Palm Springs. Brooklyn Nine-Nine's good as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could be good for stuff. Okay, let's move on to I Am Legend. The sequel is finally happening, and apparently it's going to be ignoring the actual canon ending of the first film. Makes sense, because Will Smith explodes. <laughs> I just can't remember the, the original ending, because well, I've only seen the film twice, and each time I immediately went and watched the deleted ending. The deleted ending is where he finds out that to the vampire monster people, he's this horrible monster of legend that is the title and in the original film he just pulls a grenade and runs into a gang of them and blows them all up including himself so not really sequely yeah because in the deleted ending he's captured i can't remember yeah he's captured a loved one of one of the creatures yeah so it kind of reveals that they have agency yeah but the book's ending is that he is effectively a vampire to these new inheritors of Earth. Yeah, he's the monster to the monsters in their civilization. Yeah. Akiva Goldsman said, We trace back to the original Matheson book and the alternate ending as opposed to the release ending the original film. What Matheson was talking about was that man's time on the planet as the dominant species had come to an end. It's a really interesting thing we're going to get to explore. There'll be a little more fidelity to the original text. It's a series not a film. It'll start a few decades later than the first, much as HBO's The Last of Us is a 20-year time jump from the beginning of the outbreak. Akiva Goldsman said he's obsessed with The Last of Us, where we see the world just post-apocalypse, but also after a 20 to 30 year lap. You see how the Earth reclaims the world. There's something beautiful in the question of, as man steps away from being the primary tenant, what happens? Michael B. Jordan's in this as well? Yeah, I think he's involved. There you go. That's interesting. Also, I'm not sure we need this, because I Am Legend's not that good. Can you not just readapt the story? I guess so, but also... 
there's probably big fans of the movie, maybe. Maybe, but I think everybody agrees that it's fine and that the ending's awful. Yeah. It feels like you could just go back and just do it again, but without Will Smith. But however, they chose not to. Yeah, okay. That's our last item. A reboot feature of Hellboy titled Hellboy the Crooked Man will begin production in March. Brian Taylor, who co-directed the Crank films, and Gamer, back to Jerry Butler and Statham there, with Mark Neveldeen and solo direct 2017 horror comedy Mom and Dad, which I really like, Nicolas Cage, trying to kill these kids, will helm the picture. Mike Mignola, the creator of the Hellboy comics, co-wrote the script with Chris Golden. The story will follow Hellboy, the summoned demon turned reluctant hero, as he teams up with a rookie agent to uncover a secluded witch community in 1950s Appalachia. The script draws from the comic Hellboy the Crooked Man, which debuted in July 2008. So they've said, The Crooked Man is a departure from all previous Hellboy films. Mike Mignola will finally shepherd an authentic version of his stories and characters in film form. Millennium Media president Jeffrey Greenstein said in a statement, This is the first in a series of films that will capture audiences in familiar and new ways. Brian Taylor is an expert across the board, and I couldn't think of a better person to bring this story to life to show our audience this different original Hellboy slate of films. Mike Mignola was involved in the Del Toro films. And he sort of approved the changes that were made. Fair enough if he wants to go back and tell a more traditional take on it. The David Harbour film is not good. Another world that I've no idea, I don't know anything about it really. Well, the Del Toro films are great, and there's a couple of animated films that are pretty good as well. Ron Perlman was, of course, the perfect Hellboy, so I wonder who they'll cast now. I know, just a big person. David Harbour was a good Hellboy as well. I think he had the right look. How about Jonathan Mate? Could he do a good job? Could he be a Hellboy? Uh, do you want to take a black actor and paint him red? See why not? It could be a demon. I guess he's an option. I don't know. But we're getting another one. That's kind of come out of nowhere, actually. Yeah, because it wasn't that long ago since the David Harbour one. Yeah, but it was awful, so we should forget about it. And we'll never get Del Toro's Hell by Three. Yeah. That's us. We made it through our news digest of the month. That was our conversation about February 2023's news and trailers. I uh, would like to thank Neil Stenson for the supplied music. If you like what you heard, then please do hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. You can find us, and most of those places allow you to provide some kind of rating in some kind of star form. So, Isaac, how many stars do you think people should give us when you listen to us? I pick a number at random. Five would be really good. Five's a nice number. And a cheeky comment wouldn't go amiss as well. We appreciate those. If you want to talk about anything that we talked about here or anything else really you can always get in touch with us on Facebook or Twitter under New Before Blog or you can catch us on newbeforeblog.co.uk in the comments section but as always until next time we hope you'll join us on Neil Before Pod see you next time